Max RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Hello. Hello. Sorry, I'm doing all the things. Uh, welcome. This is the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, and I am not Stu. Um, I am not Kimmy. I am not Gina. I'm not the thing. Uh, You're a liar. Uh, I am I'm liar. Jim, and I'm the only honest one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I is Gina. Jim, you got to be louder. I do? Yep. Fine. I will speak more forcefully. Good. Excellent. Alright. There you go. Perfect. Very good. There, You're much good. better. Alright. Because I have important things to say with my word usements. Mm-hmm. You do. Absolutely. Alright. So, as you can tell, uh, our fearless leader, Stu, is not here tonight. He is preparing for our great Halloween party, which is tomorrow, Sharp. even though it's nowhere near Halloween. Uh, so we are going to soldier on without him this evening. Relatively near. It's sort of. We're like halfway there. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yes. Uh, first off, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us at Happy Jacks RPG, all one word, at just about everything. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on the Facebooks. We have a Facebook fan page, and we also have a Facebook community, if you want to search for that and join that. It's pretty cool. Uh, and we also have a forum. If you go to happyjacks.org, you can find the forum there. You can also find our Discord there. So it's under the community tab. So meet with the other crazy people who like us for some reason. And also <laughs> us. We also talk there, too. So it's pretty cool. Uh, right. Yeah. So let's get cool. started on okay. email in who the first. Who wants to be first? Not it. It's in front of you. So why don't you okay. say? Oh, I'll be know. first. Yay. Breaking Ooh. with... Tur- oh, do, do you want that one? Reading. No, no, no. I okay. This one. <clears throat> Anticipating. Wait, is this first? Yeah. Cool. Let's make sure. Anticipating player solutions from Steve in SoCal. Venerable lords and ladies of douchitude. I nice. once again beseech thy wisdom. When laying out challenges for your players to overcome, how much pre planning do you do on potential solutions? This isn't really a matter of railroading, as I am presupposing that you aren't forcing your players uh, down any particular path, uh, but more a question of how much prep you do. I freely admit that I tend to over-prep and will generally try to loosely brainstorm a handful of potential solutions. I do this in part so that I have some pre-canned responses to the situation prepped, and in part to help nudge the party in certain directions if they are stuck in analysis paralysis mode. Mm For example, if the PCs need to get past some guards, I want to have a combat encounter ready in the event that they choose to bowl past the guards, and some notion of how guards might react to negotiation, bribery, and of course the inevitable arson attempts. <laughs> says at arson craft. So it's yeah, it's, uh, Bernie hobos instead of uh, yeah. hobos. Yeah. Uh, other approaches seem to be more on the laissez-faire side of things. Uh, side of things is just to present a situation problem and taking the they have to figure it out approach an example from a recent session for this was the party was tasked with finding a dragon lair uh, hidden in lizard ensconced mountains but the GM had no clue how the party was going to approach it where do you fall on this spectrum and do you have any helpful advice Steve in SoCal the grimace on the forums Uh, P.S. there are too damn many Steves around these days we need to only (laughs) 
We need to have a Highlander style battle to the death. There can be only one. PPS. Uh, please feel free to sing oh, the about to do that. <laughs> of the universe now and then take a drink. I'll leave this here in case you guys need Here we are. Yeah. Born to the kings. <laughs> we're princes of the universe. Okay, we have to stop now. I said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know about you yeah. guys. I don't. <laughs> As a general rule. Mm-hmm. Like... Um, I'd like to see if I presuppose what people are going to do, then it even if I don't intend to, mm. I find that I start just moving towards that being the solution. Try trying to give them clues or whatever to try and move them towards it. Mm-hmm. And I really love seeing what my players come up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only caveat to that is, you know, they come up with something you decide how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Right. So the caveat to that has to be you need to be fans of your player characters. Yeah. you got to be fans of them. So you're not just putting in roadblock to roadblock because it's not how you would do it. Um, yeah. The, the other caveat to that is just because you're fans of them doesn't mean you have to like bow to their every whim. Right. If they're like, oh, well, I'm going to zipline to it. It's like, there's not a place for you to... Zip line, mm-hmm. and you it don't. Also depends on the style. Get it to one or the other. Yeah, exactly. If it's mm-hmm. a super high action, pulpy, fake game. Then absolutely. Then yeah. Um, um. But you don't don't feel like you have to um, allow and have everything succeed. Right. Um, you know, sometimes there's does this work? No. Does this work? No. Um, until the thing that does work um, happens. Yeah. But I, I yeah I as a general rule do not plan out what my players are going to come up with. I, I find it actually counterproductive to do so, uh, mm. personally. <clears throat> and, you know, I, my, my, my method is always to basically pin down motivations. So I know what these guards' jobs are. I know how dedicated they are to making sure that it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just sort of create in my brain a general disposition of what these guys are going to react to, whatever input that they have. And then I just bounce that reaction back to the players mm-hmm. uh, and let things go fluidly. Uh, you know, it, it, and we were talking about sandboxes a few weeks ago and that's that, that's sort of the key to making sort of like this uh, a real living world and the fact that you're not really think of it thinking of the world as a narrative but you're thinking of the world as an actual living, breathing reactive force with people that have their own ideas and motivations coming into conflict or or not with with the player characters. So yeah. as long as I got some decent stats out for the for the for the guards, if you know things go down, I'm cool. Yeah, I, I think it may it uh, typical uh, response for me is I think it kind of depends um, because I've run um, encounters before, so uh, where there is a kind of uh, not kind of there is a scripted answer to the problem. Um, I think determining even in in that regard kind of determining how they get there and what they get when they get there is still kind of flexible even though you're playing where somebody could play somewhere else on their next table day or that sort of thing so i can see that if you're more comfortable well let's go to example two which is more traditional games i think you do have to be somewhat prepared depending on how much you know the system so if you know uh l5r really well you are comfortable bouncing up oh my god they went to the bar they didn't even go to do this like uh i don't know forest crawl i was going to have them do or whatever 
Um, so you're a lot more comfortable responding to whatever the players bump up against, either whether it's people or environment or that sort of thing, where somebody who's just learning a system might need to sit down and, and do what Steve is talking about, which is kind of pre-prepare some possible responses and then just kind of, it sounds like he does this too, but be prepared to go where he needs to go based on the awesomeness of his players. I, yeah. I find that game prep has a lot to do with confidence. Yes. Um, yeah. So if, if, if you feel a little bit shaky in your confidence about either where the story's going or the system or where if one of the players is made basically sort of shaking your confidence in the game because they're, they seem to be sort of manipulating the game in a direction that you weren't prepared for, that lack of confidence can really be buttressed by uh, a certain level of preparedness on the, on the front end. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it depends on your table. It depends on the, the situation that you're playing in. Mm-hmm. So if you're really, really comfortable with what's going on, you can just walk up to the table and on the fly do whatever the heck's going on. Yep. If you don't have that sort of, like, comfort or trust with your players established front line, then for, if, for nothing other than giving you that little bit of extra confidence to make sure that you, you feel that you're walking into a situation where you can actually react to things and control things, go for it. Do as much prep as you want because if you don't feel if you don't feel good going into the game and being able to to tell the story that you want to tell or, or facilitate the story that your players want to tell because mm-hmm. those are two different things. They're mm-hmm. two different goals that can align but they can be divergent. Um, if you're not confident going into that then do a lot of prep. Cover your bases. If mm-hmm. anything it'll just make you feel better about it going in <laughs> exactly. and you're going to have and you're going to have yeah. better experience. Yeah. I'm going to disagree a little bit about it being based on confidence because I'm a pretty confident GM. Um, but it to me it entirely depends on what system I'm running. Right. So yeah. for if I'm running PBTA, sure I'll sit down with nothing prepped and I yeah. can make that happen. For but if I'm running Wild Talents, which actually I've run more than PBTA. Uh, there's a lot of mathematics in that game. Right. So yeah. if you if they are going to go, <laughs> Tabby's excited about that. I so, love math. Yeah. Well, and I love that system. It's really great. But yeah. you know, it's very easy to get you know with player characters like overpowering uh, you know any baddies you put in front of them. So you do have to be more careful yeah. in systems like that that are more math dependent. Because you know if you know a certain couple hard die or whatever, and those encounters aren't challenging, so you ha- do have to think about that a little bit more and prep ahead of time. You can have your hey, these are my you know named unnamed one two three four five soldier guys that you can pull out if something unexpected happens. Mm-hmm. But it's also good you know to have pl- you, you have to have some amount of planned characters right. for that for yeah. them to face off against for it to be challenging, and you you, you know. You, if you have to, you can pull the ones from the back of the book, but that's not always the best. The crazy yeah. thing about it is, is that the the more complex and crunchy the system, mm-hmm. I think the more prep that that's, you're that actually was my responsible. Thir- my third to say, point to, to go up to. <laughs> that was yeah. exactly it. Uh, yeah, yeah, and so you know the answer really is, Gina. Yeah. You're one hundred percent. It depends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know it depends on what you're going into, and and if it and if you need to know some a lot of variable numbers and a lot of things about an NPC to yeah. make it actually convincing and and make the characters completely immersed in what you're, what's going on without you having to constantly check things. Yeah, yeah, you need to do some prep work. Okay, boy, am I going to disagree with you guys now. <laughs> oh. um, Traveler is a crunchy game, right? Yes. I, I ran it for the, the first time I, I ran Mongoose Traveler. Mm-hmm. That was it, my infam- infamous game. Oh, no. Where my players on the first game made a right turn and suddenly it was a they were taking over like the entire system mm-hmm. right 
And so I never was able to plan for a game. Right. And it's a very crunchy yeah. system. Yeah. However, I did a ton of work on the, get familiar, yes. getting familiar with the system. Absolutely. Putting the, the world together so I knew the motivations behind yep. all of these different things. I think the way I want to so put it is if you know what all the numbers mean. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. If you know yeah. it backwards and forwards. Good point. Like, I am yeah. right now getting ready to for a Shadowrun one-off that mm -hmm. I want to mm -hmm. do. And I have never run 5th edition Shadowrun. Um, cool. and, but I want to run it. Um, so right now I'm getting really familiar with the system. I'm reading it over and over. I'm running simulations. I'm, you know, trying to make sure I, I sort of know what all the numbers mean so that when it's like, okay, here's your run. You're going to um, uh, steal some data. Cool. I have no idea how they're going to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're going to say, oh, well, okay, well, I want to do this to find inf information about mm -hmm. it. Cool. Well, I'll make up some information about it. <laughs> and as they go and as the players use and kind of define the run by their own traits, mm -hmm. um, then I get to discover it as they do. And I think that's the thing I... That's not the thing I love most, but it's one of the things I love most about GMing is I get to discover everything along with them, and that is a lot of fun for me. I think that's yeah. great, but like I would not be able to make bad guys out up on the fly, no matter how well I knew a system, right. probably. Well, I just so uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I make dice pools. Okay, I don't make. Yeah. Dice. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, because once think a, once a dice pool is defined, it is defined. Right. And it's it's I I'm not going to modify it, but yeah. Okay, because I think that's the thing. It's not necessarily you're creating answers. But you do have, you know, for, for me, I always think of it as that choose your own adventure kind of book. Mm -hmm. It's like, I have no idea what the players are going to choose. I've got some stuff, and they're probably going to pick something like option D, the thing I never thought of. Oh, for right. sure. But if you do some prep, you know, um, for, you know, like for my example, Wild Talents, like if I have those baddies, I'm like, okay, they're going to fight, you know, a fire guy who's, uh, you know, a corporate you know, douchebag, and he, he's going to be the uh -huh. bad guy. And then they go to somewhere else, and they're like, they end up in, you know, the Siberian tundra, and I have to make the bad guy there. Suddenly, that bad guy I make gets reskinned. So they're exactly. So that prep is still good, no matter what option they choose. And, and well, depending, yeah. uh, you know, if they go somewhere completely different, like I can reskin that prep I did to fit the choice they've made. So it's not about necessarily railroading them into no. no you're going to waste time in Siberia, and that's going to be a totally lame part of the game, and then you're eventually going to yeah. come back to what I planned. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't do that. Yeah, and we've talked about that before, and that's a really good point, Kimmy, that that it depending on what type of game you're running, it might be more traditional, or if it's more a story game, maybe you don't have to do that prep, and it might not have anything to do with the type of game, but just your confidence level or how you're comfortable having prep. I've heard this from lots of GMs, too. It's like the more prep you do, you don't necessarily have to come to the table like you guys were saying with scenarios, because mm -hmm. you, you know. Like, you just, you're able to respond a lot more quickly. But if there is something you really want them to get out of that session, whether it's a clue or to meet a specific NPC, or there's just something you wanted to have happen, you just make it happen, like, however you can, reasonably, within the fiction. Well, you can't. Well, it's more about having... It's like when you invite people over to your house and you don't know what they want to drink. You have mm -hmm. a little bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. So you'll prep that little bit of everything. Yeah. And if they want soda, great. Oh, you don't drink soda. Okay, well, here's my LaCroix. Mm -hmm. Oh, you don't like LaCroix. Well, here's my fucking beer. Like, yeah. So, like, hopefully they like one of the things you prepared. They probably won't. They'll be like, oh, no, I only drink, you know, champagne that's been chilled for 12 hours because they're players. So then you do have to, like, improv. There's always going to be that, that bit of improv. 
but having having that buffet of I'm, these are things I've done the math on makes you less stressed as a GM and more willing to go with the flow. That can really impact your game and and, and help. I think that's true, but I also think there are circumstances when you're running a game that you absolutely want to see something small happen. So it doesn't necessarily fall within railroading or, you know, it's just something you whether it's maybe it's backstory from one of the the player characters you want them to meet someone from their backstory or something like that. So I feel like this is another one of those the GM's a player too. So you're you're contributing to the story and you're not you are not always constantly just responding and reacting to other people's stuff. It's the push pull. So is that is that element that you're going to introduce because someone di- you know botched a die roll or is it just you are going to introduce this because this is the scene and it's scene appropriate. Does that also have a lot of influence on the fact of the relationship that you have with your players? Because yeah. uh, y- your players have to be willing to let you uh, play in the game as well. And and you know that that that's that's a very important concept yeah. of the GM is also a player in the game. Yeah, I think it depends uh, on how much and how often and how you're exerting that. Exactly. Yeah. But if you if you keep ham fisting it and oh, keep for forcing sure. things on your players, they're going to start end up being resistant and resentful mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. But if you really sort of just uh, no, you're good. Right. I, I had a thought. It all wasn't right. about your mic. Okay. For I mean, once. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I love. Uh, about role-playing games is there are certain elements that I find in a game that I find attractive and I'll just port them to a bunch of different games. Mm. And uh, Caddy brought up Shadowrun. And one of the things that I loved about certain editions of Shadowrun is that they they gave you a list of NPCs, but they gave you two very important tools on top of that. They gave you a thing called uh, professional rating and they gave you a a thing called challenge rating. So what what it is is that those two elements form a dice pool. And they're generic and can apply to any NPC that you want. That's how nice. generally yeah. powerful is he? And that's your challenge rating. What's the professional rating is how committed are they to their mission? Nice. Mm-hmm. So not only do you get extra dice for your, for, for your professional rating, but if they take a serious wound at a certain professional rating, they'll just retreat. Mm-hmm. Take a moderate wound at a certain professional rating, they'll just retreat. So it gives you a key on to behavior and a key on how generally right. good they are at what they do. And I like that. I, I transfer that element to a lot of the different games that I play, where I just create a chart depending on what the math of that whatever game is. Where I just have a formula where, okay, I want this guy to be sort of this badass and this committed to what they're doing and and creative about what they're doing. I like that a and lot. That, and that allows you to just sort of create NPCs on the fly, mm-hmm. just by using sort of a calculation of like this is how the math works out for how powerful this yeah. person is. Move on, next step. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. That, I really like that. That okay. actually kind of reminds me mm-hmm. of something that happened my first year out at East Jesus. Mm. And for those of you who don't know, it's this wacky <laughs> uh, experimental, sustainable, habitable art installation. Mad I Max. Used to, it's Mad Max. I used to run down by the Salton Sea. With a little less murder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so we have this whole area of, of stuff that, supplies that we use for, for art or for things. Um, and so it's our boneyard. And one year in the summer, there's nobody else there but myself and my wife. And I hear something about like two in the morning, mm-hmm. and so there's not a lot of law enforcement out there. So I grab a pistol and mm-hmm. jump out of there to see <laughs> if somebody's fucking with shit. Oh, and then man. I realize, oh my god, I'm a naked guy in the, with a gun <laughs> I in know, the desert. I was just gonna say, <laughs> holy you had shit! On. <laughs> <laughs> what has my life come to? <laughs> but I forgot I had my strap on. on <laughs> <and out laughs> You know what's funny? It's like you were probably the only person who'd be surprised at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. There, it's like, oh, that's just I would not want to get hit by a shell when I have naked bits. Well, out. I mean, 
really what I'm worried about is is somebody taking stuff, somebody right. well, yeah. trying to light fire to something, or yeah. scrapping and with so, somebody in the dirt of well, the desert with your no pants on. Right, but the idea <laughs> is that you know a guard might be really really dedicated to their job, even if they aren't paid very well. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what their pay grade is. Mm-hmm. Their professional writing might be really high. Yeah. And that's just an interesting thing to kind of think about well, yeah. in this you context. Know, yeah, and, it, and the thing it is... It might be performance appraisal time. <laughs> so they got to be really good for like or, two weeks. Or they might be protecting something that is of personal right. interest to them there. Yeah. That, you know, that may not really belie his job. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and, and the, the, that's what I loved about them sort of combining the, the two general elements of... How good are they, and how committed they are to what they're doing? Yeah, that's a very important that thing is to yep. note. Very in yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. especially if they're fighting the bad guys or the good guys, because like if they come in like oh, and there's like you know they're kicking ass, it's like mm, I'm out. This is yeah. you know my <laughs> minimum wage is not worth whatever <laughs> yeah. this is. I'm out of here. <laughs> I actually took a bullet to the shoulder. I'm gone. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or a bullet went by me. Yeah. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of here. That is a yeah. scary sound. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I'm going to have to look more into yeah. that because I think that would like help my repertoire of GMing, like my toolbox of, okay, like I have, because there are, I think that would work with just about every system. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's a toolbox. Yeah. And you build that toolbox for yourself exactly. after you start mm-hmm. experiencing more and more systems because, you know, when I run D&D, sometimes I bring some PVTA elements into it. Absolutely. As well. You know, it's 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 sort of like a trade-off. Whatever yes. things I like, yeah. I yep. just use. Yeah, and every system. And yep. I'm finding myself doing that a lot yeah. more, too. Like, okay. I've brought so many elements from different PVTA and even some from like D&D into like Wild Talents etc and like it's, it's amazing. Which is why it's always always good to play m- more different games. Yes. Like if you're only playing D&D more that's and more awesome. Differenter. Yeah. Just yeah. anything you do diversity is, yeah. is an yeah. awesome thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Period. Whether yep. it's systems, people, whatever it is. Diversity yeah. is yep. awesome. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Um, you said one thing that was interesting a second ago Jim too. You were like um, you were talking about your players um I don't remember what you were saying specifically, but you were talking about your players, um, like, uh, getting bored, I think, about about a GM who constantly gave them the answers. Yeah. Well, the other flip side of that, too, which is almost worse for me as a GM, at least in my opinion, is them becoming complacent and expecting you to give them the answers all the time. Yes. Yeah. That makes your work so much harder. Oh my gosh! That's, as a GM. That's why I have this incredible cheat. Like I cheat all the time <laughs> when I GM. Yeah. And that is having. Amazing players yeah. uh-huh. that you've played with for years and years and years. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, and it's, that is a cheat. It's a fucking <laughs> cheat because when yeah. you have players who create motivations for their characters and then follow them independently of what you're doing, and then follow them, <laughs> and you yeah. just go, "Oh, well, I'll follow yeah. that too." Yeah, but everything's just a, mo- a motivation chain, and you're just tugging at the motivations. And it look. If you're oh lucky God, enough yeah. to have a fantastic group of players, man, like I, I keep saying, real RPGs are a f- freaking awesome hobby, but when it's bad, it's so, so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when it's good, it's so orgasmically good. Yeah. <laughs> right? No, you it's know? so true. It, it, it's absolutely true, and there's very little middle ground or blah. It's either like this, eh, or it's like going, I can't wait to play again. Can I play again right, right now? Can yeah. we just go can on until 2 a.m.? Because I want to keep on going. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what you're talking about. And, yeah. <laughs> and for um, the... Okay. For Sorry. those of you who are also players, mm-hmm. because I think all GMs are yeah. typically also play. There are some people only GM. Uh, think about that too. Get your character's motivations when yeah. you're making it. Try and mm-hmm. follow those motivations. Try and be proactive. The more proactive the players are, the easier it is for me as a GM. The more fun we all have because yeah. you are 100 percent having an impact on the story. Yeah. Because I am following your motivations. Give your GM plot am, hooks. Yeah. Build yeah. the backstory. Yeah. Yes. Find out what your character wants yeah. and how he wants to do it. And communicate that with everybody else because it's only going to end up with a 
superior storytelling experience. Right. Well, yeah. I think too, and I think part of it's because I'm a teacher and I work with you know 36 little people every day. Um, they like if you not everyone has that dream. Like we are super lucky, and we you know we embrace that we have an amazing you know pool of players that we play with. You know, not everyone is that lucky. You know, you can you can improve your player base as the GM. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to be able to be like, "Here's my open world, do your thing," because they'll be like, "Uh, what is the right answer? I don't know." But you can start slowly giving them more options or get, being a little bit more open world with certain things. And I'm actually talking one of my friends who's GMing a game for the first time through this right now. And I'm, you know, I'm explaining to, to him like modular game design and things like that, so things can be flipped around really easily. And how post-it notes are the best thing ever invented in the universe, mm-hmm. um, because it's easy to take your notes and be like, flip, flipping. I'm flipping them, by the mm-hmm. way. If people are listening to the podcast. That is, that is the stick <laughs> flat is the sound of a flip. Yes, the, the I know. Patented kitty flip. <laughs> yes, that's mine. Um, but uh, so you know, start having those smaller choices. Okay, you get to the town. Where do you go? Don't mm-hmm. be like, do you go to the tavern? Mm-hmm. Like, give them, slowly open the world for them, slowly give them more branches on their choice trees, and then eventually, you know, hopefully you'll, you'll get there. And a quick mm-hmm. tip on how to really make that go very simply for your character is if they do something that is generated by the dice that's particularly awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of telling the dice, oh, I rolled 28, it was awesome. Yep. Go, well, tell me what that looked like. Yep. Explain to me what you know what happened in that particular mm-hmm. situation to make that happen so mm-hmm. badassedly. Yeah, and then you're giving the player a little bit of agency, and then when they tell the story about what happened, it no longer turns into a story. Well, I rolled this natural twenty, and it was awesome, and I killed the monster at the end. Mm-hmm. No, he says, "Well, dude, what I did was I got in there and I cleverly decided to slip under under the creature just because I knew it was going to be distracted by this thing." And then you tell the narrative story about what happens, and then then they start getting that thirst for being able to tell those kind of stories Make and being thirsty. able to thirsty uh, for for being part of an actual storytelling instead of being uh, just riding the wave of what the dice tell you is going on. No, you say what's going on. The dice just guide you in the right direction. And when when people start getting really comfortable with sort of detailing out what a scene looks like, they're going to start doing it on their own. And then they're going to start telling the story for you. And then you're going to be lucky like Jib and just stand back and watch as everybody just works stuff. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm a brilliant GM. He is a brilliant GM. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I, I also want to, I've said this before, and Repeat uh, yourself, I'm going to say Kathy. it again. Um, okay, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. You can play online with other Happy Jacks mm-hmm. listeners. Yes. If you don't have, mm-hmm. if your group in your town uh, only wants to play D&D, I mean... There are there are feckin' thousands of you guys, and we have all of the social medias for which for you guys to find yourselves yes. and put a game together. Do a one shot of something you've never done, yeah. or you know, a uh, one shot happens that you've never done. Like get together and play these games with each other online, because mm. yes. you know, kind of probably have at least an interest in the kind of shit we're saying here. Yep. And uh, there's you know what could go wrong. Yeah. Happyjacks.org slash forum or happyjacks.org slash discord will get you and both of those places have both the forum and the discord have places for you to find online games and Mm -hmm. in-person games but you're more likely to find some people on online games. Oh for sure. So. Yeah, Tomes is like, there are so many good oh people online with yeah. online yeah. games, and I so was good. really mm-hmm. nervous about it. Yeah. But Tomes is a tome Tom- of good games. Yes. Yeah, no, well, no. they've also started... This was Cat Dave's <laughs> <laughs> description of it. As we're just sitting here in the in, in the, uh, the the Adventurers Club in, in upholstered seating, talking about great adventures, and right? he just comes in and goes, 
dude, I've just been to the Congo and I brought yeah. back. <laughs> right? Exactly. 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 Yeah. Uh, but they also have uh, like play-by-post games. The Discord has a bunch oh, yeah. of different games that are going constantly. Mm-hmm. It's very yeah. cool. I think there's yeah. a Mutant Year Zero game going on. Yeah, and they yeah. had a Demigods. I think that one might have so ended. Cool. But yeah, there's a bunch of mm-hmm. cool stuff. So Everyone check it out. Wrong. Demigods games. So it's so good. It's so good. It's so fun. All right. Um, yes. Demigods PBTA.com if you want to go. I all right, should not next read person. You should buy that thing. All right, I'll read this oh, one here. I've got this one. So, um, all right. Oh, cool. The mailbag. We're moving here. on. Oh. <laughs> next. Yay. <laughs> got it. It's good to you. You suck. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Now I see why you want uh, someone else to read this happy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I should have done the homework. I didn't. Um, women in gaming from Reverend Dr. Johnson. Oh my. I see. Oh my. Oh my. Oh my. A guy named Dr. Johnson. Yeah. Genius. <laughs> no. This email is primarily about the inclusion of women in gaming, especially go. in face to face and convention games. It might be best to include it when the podcast episode is hosted by more women than men. Ideally, Stu should be the only man. We failed at that, haven't yes. um, Or it should be women only episode. But hey, it's your podcast. Do it your way. I think Gina and I, 50% women. We got I this think if you have yeah. muscles, more than 50. Oh, yeah. yeah word. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Countdown to BlizzCon. Yeah. All right. yeah. Seriously, I'm watching her online. The last game she played, I'm going, man, dude, those shoulders look killer. <laughs> it's pretty good. I, I have I, four whole abs. I'm very excited. Yes. <laughs> yeah, four abs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Only no. rocking. Seven to go. <laughs> And then Adam will like me. Yeah. I got eight, oh, an ab and a herniation on his side. Adam's only got nine abs in our game. I think uh-huh. you're cool if you yeah. get nine. If I get nine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Get Lance uh, a friend of mine who was on the tall ship m- with me when I was a cook, mm-hmm. she was the gunner. Mm-hmm. And so she got the uh, the guns tattooed nice. to her arms. There are, there are these um, four-pound guns. Nice. So she can actually give you a literal like gun show. The gun show. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh, cool. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I want to buy tickets to that <laughs> And they were the literal guns that she fired on yeah. the What is it about the catch? that I like so much? Every- <laughs> <laughs> they're they're awesome. just so attractive to me. Alright, so uh, <laughs> it specifically Maybe says... Maybe the best thing to talk about <laughs> at this moment. Sorry. I'm drunk. Oh, yeah. Give me some more of that. I'll save you. Let's you like more men, I women and men. We're good. I can kick your ass, Jim. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Alright. Do it your way. <laughs> if I step out of bounds. Yes. Okay, you, you, I see Tappy as being able to really do this, though. All right. Say this next line in your best Barry White voice. This one's for the ladies. Yeah. I, okay, I totally my best. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See? This you one's get there. for the ladies. There we go. Thank you, Tappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, the I last email I wrote, you, uh, wrote your show took Stu to task for his skepticism regarding the use of crowdfunding by professional game publishers. This time, I came not to blame Stu, but to praise him and the rest of the Happy Jacks crew as well. Well, thank you, and we'll pass on the congratulatory things because he's not here right now. Yeah. Um, I returned to gaming in 2006 after many years' absence from the hobby. Uh, in this time since returning, I've been more and more aware of and troubled by the hobby's biggest problem. It's a goddamn sausage fest. <laughs> yes, there are lots of women in the hobby. No way, There are game designers, GMs, players, and a variety of other roles, but it still seems to be overwhelmingly populated by dudes, many of them who don't seem to know how to act right when confronted with the presence of women at the gaming table, either as players or GMs. 
Don't even get me started on the assholes who treat the discussion of diversity and inclusion in gaming as yet another example of SJWs ruining the hobby. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, perfectly I, put. It's uh, social justice wizards. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that was no, good because you almost sounded Dobby-ish. There yeah, or a little something. bit. Yeah, they did not get a cool voice. I'm not doing no. a cool voice for those. No assholes. more cool voices. And they do not voices. get to be called wizards because that's cool. And yeah. they don't yeah. get that. No, no, no. Social justice wizards. Yeah. Can't they be? Oh, yeah. No, you're right. Those, those, are, those are the good guys. You're right. You're right. Or uh, they could be social, social justice warriors, fighters. I'm a social justice barbarian. Yeah, that's the one. That's the little one I add on my social list. justice cleric, <laughs> social justice bard. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Playing a bard in the game. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> I admire and appreciate the efforts of people like Stacy Delafano, who funded the Contessa. Oh, Contessa Gaming Group. I love yeah. them. Link below. Mm-hmm. And the many women who produce their Contessa. own games, make game art, run games at conventions, and who do so uh, much hard work. Finding, uh, sorry, I lost my place. To make gaming more inclusive and a vi- and vital pastime, we all benefit, and they seldom get due credit for their efforts. Still, I worry that it never seems to be enough. The public face of the hobby is still mostly dudes, still mostly white, still mostly straight, still mostly clueless about those demographics, and along with shitty, creepy, or abusive behavior from too many of them, make gaming and gaming conventions unattractive to a lot of people who don't fit that particular mold. We can do better than that. Your podcast is one of the things that makes me hopeful, along with the fact that there are more young women who seem to be engaging in the hobby than ever before. My daughter is one of them. Woohoo! Awesome. Nice. And she is awesome. <laughs> Sweet. So the praise. I love that Happy Jacks features a cast of roughly equal numbers of men and women, both in its regular podcast and on the actual plays. There are a lot of gaming podcasts out there, and I haven't found another one that features so many women contributors. That is not by accident. The women in your show never fail to bring more and better insights about gaming, convention play, and other topics. And they've helped me see what the hobby could look like if we could get beyond the grognard dork boy traditions upon which we have rested for so long. Their presence makes the podcast so much better than others that uh, that fail the podcasting. I can never say this Bechtel word. Test. Bechtel test. Thank you. They are not tokens. They are talk about the girly. They are not there to talk about the girly aspects of gaming. The women of Happy Jacks are there to drink, play games, and kick ass. I really appreciate what they bring to the podcast, and would like to thank them for their contributions. I also would like to thank Stu for assembling the crew and keeping it going for as long as he has. You are fabulous, and you make my gaming world a better place. Now, thank you. Just I. I'm tearing a little. Um, that is something that I've worked really hard with with Stu for a really long time, especially like building up the the APs and getting a cast together that is diverse in all different ways. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Kimmy is definitely the one you should be thanking. Well, Stu, Stu, one hundred percent too. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, it's his show, and he and can say this organization in general. Right? But he's yeah. he's yeah. a believer. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to keep reading. It's going to be fine. I can see everything fine. Um, but that means a lot. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to make sure Stu... Yeah, he, I mean, he read it because he put it on this thing, this yep. document, so it's there. So now a couple of questions There are uh, mainly uh, that are mainly for the women present on this episode. I can't read. Okay. I am sure others may have something to do, uh, something to contribute, but let the women speak first. <laughs> As women in gaming, what do you see as the biggest obstacles to women's participation in the hobby? All right, you have to go first, Gina. I, I think that a lot of times that you still see a lot of um, representation uh, that is like men, 
um, when, when you're going to a con. And I think it would be a really interesting sort of um, for any GM that goes to any con or watches APs to kind of keep track of how many male and female uh, presenting uh, peeps they see um, and or NB. Um, because I think we still see a, a very predominantly male table a lot of times. I think even if you asked Happy Jack's um, GMs who they see at their tables when they go to cons, uh, we would fall on the, the, you know, the cis white male side, mm-hmm. probably. But I think that's when you see yourself self-represented, um, whether it's through Twitch or YouTube or at a con, you are more likely to feel like that is something that interests or, you know, that you could participate in. So I, I feel like doing what Kimmy's done for Happy Jacks and what other shows have done and showing that those people look like they're fully human people, no mm-hmm. matter how they, they, you know, they feel like, you know, whether you present yourself as male, female, NB, whatever. Or even goth. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, goths are people too. And instead of... <laughs> you are Instead of, we're not, this is not meant to be shade, but I'm sorry. We're not voice actors. We're not booth babes. We're not, like, they're just normal people playing games that hopefully are semi-entertaining and represent the hobby in a, in a healthy way. Right. And, you know. Well, I think it's good to have all representation. Like, you know, yeah. it's, like, that's something I face in the cosplay, cosplay world a lot is, like, kind of the... The negative connotations of people who are professionals, like professional cosplayers, yeah, um, and those people are just as into it. Most of the time, they started, you know, you know, you know, you look at people in Critical Role, like they didn't start gaming to do Critical Role, like no. they all did gaming beforehand. So they've been incredibly successful, which is amazing and helped yes. the hobby in so many ways, hundred percent. And they're voice actors and things like that. But this, I think, for all of us, no matter how we started, like we started in someone's living room. Yep. We're all real gamers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think. I think that's honestly one of the things that that I still face often. Not as much now, but you know, over the years, this uh, fake geek girl thing. Yes, and, and that's not to say that I just no, no, yeah, no, no, no. Sure. I wasn't, and like, like that's yep. just kind of like what brought it to my head. No, for sure. Um, you know, and it's it, it's something that you know I face as a cosplayer that you know we face as gamers. Like, you're, well, you're obviously just doing that because a guy got you into that. It's like. No, right. Actually, or you're looking for attention. Right. Yeah, like yeah, you're like you're gaming so you can attract a husband. I'm like, uh, I got one. He doesn't like gaming, so I'm here. He's up in yeah. the hotel room, like writing. <laughs> so it's like, it's like the you know the opposite. I think I think the, I think the the stereotype and the kind of expectation that women are only into these type of hobbies to please men, is a big problem. Um, well, the male-centric thing of, all the way around. Exactly. It's kind of no different than the obstacles women face in in real life. That, Absolutely. like, if you're a, a sporty, you know, mm-hmm. presenting female person, like, somebody might assume you're only into that because you're... you're you know, your partner is or yeah. something like that. Or you're that. vain. You want to look not, good all the yeah, time. That's the only yeah, reason. that you're not into sports. You're not into football or you're not into basketball because you could, you know, it's the whole gender role bullshit. Yeah. Um, so I think those are the obstacles. It doesn't mean we can't overcome them and aren't overcoming them. Yeah. Like all the time. Yeah. People assuming that we're inauthentic yeah. simply because of, of who we are. Um, is, is difficult, and the fact that we, when we sit down at the table, we have to prove ourselves. 
Like, I've had people come and sit down at my table. Um, I've talked about this a lot of times, you know, when I'm GMing at cons, and they don't know who I am. They don't know who Happy Jacks is. They just signed mm-hmm. up for a game, and they sit down, and they're like, oh, okay. All uh, right. Uh, and you can just see their face. Yeah, they're like, oh, your tits are going to get in the way of playing the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're just like this <laughs> awkwardness. <laughs> I get excited when the GM's female. Right. It's, uh, yeah. I get really happy and excited when the GM's female. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, coming from a complete mm-hmm. cis male, Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm going to go this to the all the other guys that are listening to this. I'm going to tell you a secret about how to get along with women and how to be just a good person in general. They're people like everybody else. What? If you just right? treat them like people, everything will be cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and really, it that's just the whole secret to life in general if you just treat everyone like people or like you would like to be treated then everything's going to be cool there's a rule like that there is a rule like that it's golden yeah Um, but (laughs) no seriously man don't there's no reason to be intimidated by women there's no reason to be afraid of women they're just people and and don't be all right i'm a little intimidated (laughs) by you and That's the okay. other, the, the flip yeah. side, the flip side of, of this is don't uh, don't do the the rescuing princess thing. Like, don't feel no, like you like have to. I know it comes from a place of kindness sometimes, but don't feel like you have to explain, like, yeah. mm-hmm. or that you have to save the character that the female's yeah. playing because all of a sudden she's fucked or something like that. Mm-hmm. And don't and, get me wrong, man. I fall into these tropes myself every once in a while and I have to catch myself. And I, and I look towards the women in my life to really sort of point it out. Because sometimes I will sort of mansplain things. And, you know, it's a struggle for me. It, and, and, and I'm probably thinking that it's a struggle for a lot of guys to sort of just be normal <laughs> towards women. Uh, uh, but seriously, man, you're going to have so much more success in life in general if you just treat everybody regardless of gender, race, whatever, just like people, you're, you're just going to get further in life and enjoy life more, uh, period. Yeah, not to get super PSA-y, except I totally am, um, but that's just the, I think that's the secret overall, because like, it is just to try to recognize when you're applying gender roles to anything, and that goes for women to men, men to men, you know, whatever, um, because like, when's the last time somebody legitimately was like... Jim, are you okay? Do you need, you know, because it's like, no, he's fine, you know? And it's like, I think we just have to treat each other uh, not only at the table or at a con, but in life as just more fully human. Like, we're human. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of the direction, hopefully, that that society is going. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but really, dude, if it's a female GM, female player, just treat them as a player. Mm -hmm. Just treat them as a player. Just treat them as somebody that's telling Mm -hmm. a story with you that's there to have fun with you in the same way Mm -hmm. that you're having fun. There's no difference Mm -hmm. in the way that they, that, that, I mean, that they're generally going to enjoy a game versus what the way Mm -hmm. you're going to enjoy a game. Maybe in play style, maybe a difference, but there's not going to be a gender difference. Um, And I, I, one of the things that I do because as I, as my role in Strategicon uh, is, is that. Not only do I want to create a safe space for everybody, regardless of who they are, whether they're transgender, whether they're whatever their orientation is, their, their mm-hmm. sexuality, race, whatever it is, I want to create a space where they feel comfortable running it or playing in the game, and I, I tolerate zero shit about that, 100%. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, there, there have been some people that are obviously transgender at, at the con that have gotten some, some 
hazards or some shit thrown on them that, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to become a contributing member and a member of the board is to make changes in that and to make sure right. that the structure of, mm-hmm. our, of our community is, to, is inclusive because that is what I love about gaming. Anybody can do it. Right. Yeah. And yep. I want everybody that wants to do it to do it and to be able to enjoy it and have fun doing it. Yeah. yeah. We sit down at the table... Oh, sorry. Oh, we, no. we sit down at the table to be... to role-play other yeah. people. So who you are yeah. shouldn't matter when you're sitting Absolutely. down at the table. Absolutely. Um, One of the things I love about the hobby. Yeah. Yep. I mean, my, my close friends are mostly women. Um, my best man when I got married was a woman. Uh, and so my gaming group is mostly women. And I love my gaming group. <laughs> They're fucking rad. Yeah. Um, I, I've yeah, seen role playing with people that are in touch with their emotions. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and yeah, I mean, I, I do see my friends getting flack mm-hmm. for who they are or what they look like. Um, I like uh, very, very, very close friends who mm-hmm. are cosplayers or yeah. um, costumers. And some of them uh, decided to do an actual play right. dressed in their costumes right. as their characters because they do pictures of themselves as elves and fairies and stuff like that. Yeah. It was great. It was awesome. They had a great time. Um, the game was rad. But still, people decided to give them flack because they happened to be, like, pretty model girls. Yeah. Mm. It's like, there's nothing fake about these no, people. No, that's yeah. shitty, too. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's fucking dumb. Um, and so, yeah, it's, um, I, I, it's weird to me. And again, I know I'm in a bubble here in Los Angeles (laughs) with my specific group of friends who are all like really, really nerdy, um, and, uh, and weird that, uh, Mm -hmm. that it's like, I, I, when someone talks about gaming as a sausage fest, I'm like, ah, that is contrary to my experience. But I understand my experience is unique. Yes. Yes. Um, And I want everybody to have my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Or better. I mean, you can get way, way better. Um, But we were talking about, you know, having these great proactive players who are are mostly women or who are uh, people of color. And it's it's awesome playing with these people. It's awesome that the... Diversity, like like Jim was saying before, of where you come from. Like when you come to the table, you don't only bring your character; you bring who you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And who you are helps interpret that character. Mm-hmm. And I, I find it very interesting to see how different people interpretate the exact same character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is one of, one of the reasons yeah, I love comedy. Fascinating. Games. It's it's really fascinating, and um, and so it's it's great to have more and different people to play with. It just, it just is. Yeah, I think that would be super cool to see on a one-shot Saturday, like the same scenario <laughs> well, run with multiple just two times. Di- yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think what you're talking about, and like I've I've experienced that, and and like okay, even in LA, like when I started going to Strategic Con years and years ago now, like there were not as many women, and mm-hmm. I that's one of the things that's given me like hope, and like over the years, like going and going now as a woman is world's difference than when I first started going. I remember that. Yeah. Yep. And it was it's just like so I mean not I mean it's still not fifty fifty, but there's so many more yeah. women now. I'll, you know, I'll give you some stats. <laughs> yeah. If you want to Absolutely, yeah. I'd love that. Thirty two percent of our population have that as an optional response on the survey. Yeah. Because that would be cool. Like you don't have to, but how would you like 
to be identified. Mm -hmm. you know? Across the board in the convention, 32% of volunteers good. and attendees That's are fantastic. female. That's yeah. fantastic. Uh, That's and great. I want to bring that up to 50% or 51% yeah. to be honest, to actually yeah. just, yeah. just sort like of reflect the population. The population. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think that, that uh, the current management of this convention, uh, literally the, the board is part female, part male. That's awesome. Uh, and there are a lot of different, you know, African American, Latino, white. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different re representation yeah. on the board, and that was done on purpose. Yeah, um, I've been seeing that also. That that has also happened with comic conventions that I go to. Like, I think, um, and this kind yeah. of like segues into the the next question: uh, How can men help women participate in the hobby? Mm -hmm. Which is an, a very interesting question because a lot of times, you know, it's put on women to make more women join the hobby. Which like, pisses me off because I think <laughs> yeah. that straight heterosexual white males are the ones that need to spearhead change. <laughs> well, <laughs> as the as the dominant group in yeah, the hobby, exactly. which is not, and it may sound like 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 we're we're, we're dogging on them. We're not. No. Nope. The, no, no, no. You know, each you know those people are all individual, and for you know, for my two cents, for the the majority, mm -hmm. I I have a bunch of amazing heterosexual white male friends who are my best friends Fuck in yeah. the world. Yeah. I just want to say real quick, everybody in Britain right now is laughing really hard to say dogging on men. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm super Californian, so for me, <laughs> that means shitting on them. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, in England means uh, something else. Something sexual that I don't know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to look good. that up before GNX. Um, but um, <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. Now. God damn it, Tappy. I was like super eloquent and doing well. I got a thing. We're out of white. Um, okay, go ahead, Dina. Um, I think so this is something I feel like I, I learned. This is uh, Reverend Dr. Johnson. I am going to preach for a second. Uh, because I just went to Big Bad Kong. Mm -hmm. Amen. And I saw something and I experienced something like that's been growing at that con year on year. And I've seen it at Strategicon. But, you know, it's the Bay Area. It, it was a very small con when I started going. It was like 200, 250 people. It was probably 700 people this year. Um, but what I think it is, too, is you have to, this echoes something Jim said, you have to make it a safe environment for everybody. Because it's not just on straight cis males. It's not, you know, just on women to get women in there. It's additionally, there are Game, there are gamers out there of every ethnicity, every race, yeah, you know, gender identification, sexuality, whatever. We just have to make it a very um, safe and ex accepting is a shitty word. Um, an environment that we can all be, I just keep saying this whole fully, yeah, this fully human, like that we can be in whoever you are, however you are, whenever you are. And I think the more we do that, it just starts to represent the, the people that are out there. And there were things that I felt and saw at this con that I've never felt before that made me realize that that's not something you just do at a con, Jim, like you're saying. That is fucking amazing to consider those aspects and want everybody to feel like they're in an yeah. environment that's safe and where they can do the shit they want to do. And you can carry that shit outside of the game, though. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I think, I think yeah. very specific things. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one of the things, like, like one of the reasons Stu is my best friend is because he's put up with having women on this podcast for a really long time. And I say put up with because we've gotten shit for it. Mm -hmm. 
from the beginning. Yeah. From the beginning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like they, we've gotten emails that some of the you know, they were never read, but like, um, you know, these yeah. girls, they're kind of so. And he has always called bullshit on that, and he's always been like, no, they're part of our thing. Yeah. You know, they are. They are. They. Are, you don't have happy jacks without them. And he has taken flack for that. And that is an excellent example of how, you know, men and anyone who's kind of in a place of, uh, of, of privilege can stand up for other people. Because yes. that is like, led to, you know, like, so many things because of the amazing things that women have done in here, mm-hmm. you know, people of color. So that's one of the reasons we actively want diversity because you know we get great things from these great people and we get flack for it i mean we still get emails sometimes like it's true questioning different things questioning the fact that so many women are on air questioning fat you know different you know our diversity in some ways and people missing you know the old days of gaming and things like that which i can i i understand nostalgia definitely i'm getting to the age where god damn do i yeah. understand nostalgia but you know it, there is not a finite amount of room in this hobby. Yeah. Absolutely having, not. Yeah, having, yeah. Absolutely not. and I'm stealing yeah. this from Drone in the chat room, so thank you, Drone. That was a fabulous way of, of phrasing it. Like, like more people joining this hobby here, does here. not mean there's less room for you. Right. Nope. So that's, that's the best thing you can do is amplify the voices of women yep. and other people in gaming, you know, retweet their stuff, whatever your thing is. You know, you know Stu is, le- you know, amazing enough to give us voice on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll um, tell you right now, dude. If yeah. something is awesome, it's awesome. It doesn't yeah. matter who it comes from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it should be recognized as that. And that I'm going to tell you right now, unequivocally, that my life is better for the addition of women in my role playing hobby mm-hmm. than it would be otherwise. Unequivocally. Yeah. Um, um, absolutely. So, what can men do to help women participate uh-huh. in the hobby? Uh, Actively invite them to your games, like yeah. what Jim yep. was saying. Actively invite them into your games. Yeah. Um, so and not just as the girlfriend. In, right. Yeah. <laughs> in in my like, uh, out of Happy Jack's like gaming group, there is a married couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the Traveler game, um, uh, the husband he he works in uh, computer games, and mm-hmm. so he was uh, going through uh, basically a launch. Of a game, and so he wasn't able to uh, participate in the game much. But his his wife was able to a lot. Um, and then the next game that was uh, switched, where he had more downtime, and she had uh, less time because she's a professional artist. And uh, but what was funny is he also plays with he switched uh, companies. He also plays with role plays with his company with his with the other like mm-hmm. senior people mm-hmm. in his company. Right. And but none of them have women in their group. Mm. So he was explained to them. I was running an apocalypse world game while I was living in my Mad Max nowhere thing through satellite internet <laughs> um, because I have to. I have to have game. To game. I can't not. Um, and so Absolutely. he was trying to explain to them how the game was working. Mm-hmm. And apocalypse world specifically has yeah. sex moves. Yes, but in that game there were only. There were two guys, three women, and one intersex woman. Um, and he was trying to explain to them like how the game happened, and they were they were flabbergasted. Mm-hmm. And it's like like Jim said a, a while ago. 
oh my god, people who are in touch with their emotions. Yeah. So you have this very emotional game, which is, you know, these story games, very, very much the more in touch you are with who mm-hmm. you are, et cetera, the, the more you can bring to the table. Um, but also just culturally, that it's it's very different. Like like women culturally are different than men. Not not physically, obviously. No, it's well, just their genders. Right. Yes, physically yes. But I mean, like yeah. exactly. And so like there are things like um, downplay any yeah. differences. Yeah, yeah. Um, the differences are great too. Right. Um, when it comes mm-hmm. to romance novels, ninety-five mm-hmm. percent of the people who read no- romance novels are women. Mm-hmm. About ninety to ninety-five percent of people who write romance novels are women. Yeah. True crime, mm-hmm. same thing. Like ninety-five percent of people who read true crime are women. So if you want an investigation game, yeah, the more women you have in there, the better. Mm-hmm. If you want to have a a romance or a sexy game, the more women and the better. Not because they're 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 women and you think they're hot, but because culturally more of them are exposed to that type of uh, entertainment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were talking about it. He was talking to me. He's like, I don't understand the differences. And I was trying to think of it. And his his wife came in the kitchen and was like, it's it's women. Yeah. We have. It's mostly women in this game. We are now the dominant group. Yes. So the game is more like... The type of culture that we're from instead Absolutely. of the type of culture the that you're from. Big buttons for me as far mm-hmm. as role playing games, and one of the things that attracted me to the hobby initially and continues to attract me to the hobby is the fact that role playing games allow you the opportunity to explore parts of yourself and emotionality and certain things about about your life or or points of view that maybe not are not really aligned with the way that you live your life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. When you start exploring those different uh, aspects of yourself, whether they be negative or positive aspects, whatever they are, um, when you expose those to other people, that's when you really start gaining some understanding about about those things. Mm-hmm. So the, the emotional catharsis of RPGs is actually enhanced by the ability to expose those emotions or those aspects of yourself to a more, stu- more diverse group of people because you'll have a better understanding of what you're throwing out because mm-hmm. what bounces back is going to be different. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if you love role-playing games because you sometimes get to play the villain, sometimes get to play the hero, sometimes mm-hmm. get to play the thing mm-hmm. that you really usually aren't, uh, when you're when you're role playing those things with a more diverse group of people, you're going to get a lot more feedback on those things, and ultimately you're going to learn something more about yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and RPGs are a very personal thing, and they're fantastic that way because uh, you're exposing parts of your emotions, or exposing parts of yourself, or adding elements of yourself that are generally usually kind of hidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you when you give out that kind of vulnerability, who else can can you think of? To, to really be able to react to that kind of vulnerability that, as a male mm-hmm. than somebody who's actually more accustomed to dealing with their own vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dude, sometimes I just want to smash things with a hammer. And sometimes you just want to smash things with a hammer. Sometimes you do. Great. Well, That's yeah. like uh, 50% I mean, of my characters. I know, right? <laughs> That's one thing I love about Team Beats. You're not just like software. You're the leader of Team Beats. Like hiding behind Kimmy's character is the best thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) That is, you need to watch what you're saying. Yeah, just just, just like all. If if somebody loves your hobby, you should be your proclivity should be to love them. Yes, that's when um, that's kind of what my dealio was about this. Yeah. Did you? No, go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say, be in addition, because I think that's great. Invite, invite, you know, people who identify as females or NB or whatever to your table. Invite different people to your table, like, that aren't the same as you. Um, 
but but I was going to say just be welcoming. Go yeah. to fucking cons in your neighborhood and where you're from. Go to your local cons. It's mm-hmm. not just about going to you know Strategic Con or Big Bad Con, though we would love to see you. Mm-hmm. Um, but go to your local cons and be welcoming. Get excited when these people sit down at your table that you don't know who are mm-hmm. at your table. And riff on that experience, and and I guarantee you, you will grow your your tribe, Absolutely. your tribal, yeah. and it'll make everything all better. And well, and s- support diverse creators. Yes, like because a lot of people live like like we're lucky to be in LA. There's a lot of people who live you know different places where there's not a con around. You know, I like like Gina was saying earlier, yeah. seeing like on Twitch or YouTube or whatever, like seeing women playing in critical role has been really yeah. important for a lot of people. Yep. You can see her, so, you can be her. Yeah, exactly. So seeing people of color playing, seeing people yep. you know, playing these games suddenly has opened up the hobby for so many new people. Mm-hmm. So if you know get those voices amplified. Like sh- yep. you know, if there's a show you really like Especially if it's ours, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> let other people know about it. Tune in, like if yeah. you know, if there's a, a creator who writes amazing, um, you know, adventure pass that you love, you know, support them on Patreon. Mm-hmm. You know, do these things that help these different groups who tend to who are minorities still in the community. You know, be represented. Yep. Continue to participate in them, and that's like the biggest thing you can do. To speak to yeah. the to to. You're, to I know Tappy had a thing just a second. Go ago. for it. Oh, yeah. Play with other Happy Jacks listeners. Yes. Yeah. Just do that. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. that's we a great thing because a you know growing diverse community. Yeah. Well, and and like was said before, yeah. you know, there's always mm. it's it's typically half women. If not more, and That's we have quota. a very diverse, and very specific. We have a very, very diverse group. So, other Happy Jacks listeners are probably open to a uh, to more diversity. Yeah. So, but if, you, if you limit if you yourself to the only thing that you really look for is somebody who loves the hobby. Yeah. That's really the only thing you need to look for is somebody who loves the hobby because mm-hmm. that's the commonality. Look for the commonalities and stick to the commonalities. Yeah. The differences are are irrelevant. We're all people, and we all yep. love doing things together. So, mm-hmm. you know, stick to those things. Yep. Why, why, why concentrate on negative energy? It's yeah. just pointless. Uh, last part of this, I know we've been talking about this for a while, but this is a very interesting conversation. I yeah. feel this like this is like great. my favorite letter, and uh, it's like, great. I love this letter. It made me Thank cry. You. It's a good letter. I know. <laughs> um, can you offer up any horror stories illustrating the problems that limit women's inclusion in gaming and what not to do? Yeah. Oh man. Damn. Yeah, I'm just going to sit back because I I'm gonna let you, you guys, guys you guys, I'm going to let you talk. Word. Here's what I'm going to say without getting super specific because I can get specific. Yeah. Um, is that if you think something is happening that's kind of shitty, it probably is. So react. Don't just make it be on that one person at the table who is maybe uncomfortable reacting to whatever tone or you know shitty stuff is happening at the table whether it's rapey or you know misogynistic or whatever it is if you if you twig something is going on like help us call call it out because mm-hmm. I, you know sadly because of gender roles i think a lot of times we approach those situations where we try not to make too many waves yeah. and we try to blend in and so we're not going to sit there and necessarily call it out um, but I think that makes it a better environment for everybody and not just women, too. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's 100%. I mean, I've got horror stories. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I've been talked down to at cons. I've been told yep. to go away at cons. I've had people walk away from and ignore me at cons. I've been groped at cons. Like, I've had awful things happen. I don't want to, I mean, I'm, I don't really want to go into specifics on a podcast. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all the 
all the awful things. Like, and, and the thing is, is like my stories are mild compared to some of the ones that my friends have gone through. Like, someone reaching over and grabbing my ass while I'm walking by is mild, which is awful. Mm-hmm. But like, right. in, like on the spectrum, like mm-hmm. of of what has my friends have ha- experienced at different conventions. Um, no, I've seen it happen. Yeah, and I've seen uh, it happen. Yeah, and I yeah. saw a guy grab a girl's ass in the vendor room. Yeah, and I grabbed him by the ear and escorted him out and took his That's badge. Very nice. Nineteen twenties <laughs> <laughs> uh, of you, and I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I mean, as as I mean, that's not even nineteen twenties. Like, as someone who runs the convention, yeah. Like having, I mean, that's one of the big things that I've seen change um, Comic Cons yeah. recently is they've started these big banners posting what you know cosplay is not consent. Yeah. Like because I'm dressed as you know in as Wonder Woman in what's basically a one piece bathing suit type coverage, like that doesn't mean that I'm here for right. you to touch. Like mm-hmm. I am not part of the convention. Like I'm a fan showing my fandom in another way. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So I mean, there's awful things. Don't do those things. Like. And, and like Gina was saying, like it's hard as the minority group for us sometimes to yep. speak out because it's already intimidating to see. even. I'm not a person who's intimidated easily. This I've, is true. This is true, <laughs> and I've worked my whole life to to overcome that. Yeah. So, but still coming and sitting down at a convention game with people I don't know can be can be frightening and part intimidating. Of, and part of it is making uh, as as sucky gender roles have mm. told us ma- making other people comfortable. Mm. So so not protesting not because you're not strong enough to protest or because you are not confident enough right. but not wanting to make other people at the table uncomfortable. Right. And so well, that you kind of suck it up. Right. Well, and it's also like I'm already not wanted here. If yeah. I make a problem, yep. I'm going to be validating all their fears about women in gaming. Exactly. Cuz suddenly, yeah. you know, as the minority person at the table and and I, by minority I mean like the minority of the population, right, not right. a person oh, of color, yeah. but um, like you feel in many ways like you are representing your group, which is women in that hobby, and it's even you know more difficult for for people of color and things like that who have like you are even a smaller yeah. portion. Um, you know, you feel like you're representing, so you want to do the best job you can. You don't want to cause a problem because then you know, it, oh, well, then I, I'm showing them that they are right by not wanting women at the at their table because I'm being a problem. You know what? I'm going to ask you guys a question. <laughs> okay. And I'm going. Mm-hmm. What could we do as convention runners mm-hmm. to improve the situation for women at the convention? Yeah. Well, I want to. That is a, a fantastic question. Yeah. And we're going to get there in just a second. But I do want to finish this yeah. particular okay. piece real quick. Um, but like it's it's I don't want to say scary because I'm not I mean I have rarely been in fear of my actual physical safety I will not say it's never happened at a gaming convention um, or a comic convention but um, it's not always about that there are other kinds of fear fear that you're going to let yourself down fear that you're going to let the table down fear that you're going to you know misrepresent your your group um, that can Mm -hmm. all be problems Um, and so having an ally at the table, having someone um, who's there who will also step up. Like, don't don't leave it on that person who's the already outnumbered yep. at the table to stand up for themselves, even though, yes, I'm in favor of women speaking up and defending themselves. Do it. But also, like, hey, that's sort of a sleazy... Like, I'm uncomfortable with this. Like, yeah. if you say, hey, I'm uncomfortable with this before the woman has to, that, or, you know, the person of color or, or any other yeah. group, like, that's a big deal. And it, like, don't take, yeah, well, that's what my character would do as, like, yeah. a bullshit excuse for excusing yep. bullshit behavior. Like, 
I don't give a shit. Like, I don't want to play with your character if that's what your character would do. Why the fuck are you being that character? Like, don't be that. So, I don't know. That was sort of my little rant. I was going to say my one last thing, but I want to let... Did you have something... Well, yeah, I mean, I wanted to, to echo that with, like, yeah. if, if you're a guy at the table, you don't even, like, uh, along with making sure that people don't fuck with other women yep. at the table, to also just allow space to be for them to exist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, be quiet when you could say something because you're the one who isn't going to interrupt them. Or, and this that's a good dovetail to what I was going to say, this is probably the most common thing because all those other things happen. All those other kind of things that are creepier and like that we don't necessarily want to discuss right now. Um, but the I mean, thing you can feel you can you feel, you can no, absolutely. But this I don't be the thing that I I'm cry just not about. comfortable like talking about my <laughs> no. I, I because all that shit happens and it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what nope. it's it's a p- position of power and privilege and a position of not. Um, but what I was going to say, what seems to happen to me more, most often that people don't recognize is, uh, Stu and I have talked about this a ton, and I've talked about it with my my friends who present male, um, is girl voice, mm. where you'll say a thing and no one hears it, and some one of the <laughs> dudes at the table says it, and everybody goes, oh my god, that's the best idea. And oh I've god. seen that, that's fucking happened on camera, people. <sighs> like, I'm looking at the camera. That happens all the time. And it's not like Kimmy and I are not like <laughs> quiet, cautious, quiet, <laughs> timid speakers. Mm-hmm. And it will totally, uh, that's been my whole life where <laughs> you say a funny thing and someone repeats it and they're the one that said it. Yeah. Right. But you say an idea in a game and everyone's like, doesn't yeah. hear it until the dude at the table says it. <laughs> and then you're like, I totally just said that. 60 seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. So that's a cool thing. Moment. That's yeah. a cool thing. Like, yeah. I don't know what that is. I have no idea what it is. It probably is some sociological... It's a thing in real life, too. Like, yeah. that's happened with me at so many staff meetings, like, yeah. at my school. No, me too. Yeah. At yeah, well, work all the time. Can, I, can yeah. I just say, if you're a guy at the table, call that out if you see it. Yeah. Or yeah. if the... If... if uh, a woman at the table says something and nobody responds to it, <laughs> you can repeat it and give them credit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, that sounds like what Gina said a minute ago. Yeah. Thanks for saying that, Gina. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We appreciate that. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it doesn't even go into gender as much as like going... Somebody has a great idea. Let them have the great idea. I think it's an unconscious, like, these are the people at the table I'm more in tune to, like, hear stuff. It's a societal norm. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it's not just something with gaming. Like, it's something that happens. And it's not people trying to be dicks or anything like that. Sometimes it might be. But it's mostly a societal norm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd Uh, like to think that most (laughs) of this shit is just people just going through their programming and not actually trying to be dicks. Yeah. I think about 50% of it. Break this shit down. Because that that makes me feel like I could actually live in this world. The people who grab my ass, that's totally not just people like dicks. Yeah, they need need better. Where in the world will you come up with the idea that I can touch somebody else's person and be cool? I just don't get that. I, I know what I know what this person will like. Yes, that's not true. <laughs> I just don't get no. it, man. And, and I wish I could say, and I'd say that it was the minority people, but it's happened to me enough times in enough situations in my life that I can say that that's not. I know, unfortunately, <laughs> and it's not even happened one time at a gaming convention. It's uh, and I won't even talk about fucking cosplay. Like when I'm dressed right? up, like oh my god. Um, so I do want to get back That's to shitty. Jim's awesome question, which is yeah. what can 
you know, events and organizations, Event organizations do to help. Oh, good. So mm-hmm. I think number one, I think something awesome, you know, and, and I mentioned this already, is comic conventions have started posting, you know, rules. Community like, standards. Yeah, community yeah. standards. Like this, you will lose yeah. your badge and be escorted from the premises if and you do this. And fucking mean it yeah. when you do that. Like what you did, yeah. but have it like yeah. posted. Like I, I, if you are, you know, uh, and you don't even have to specify like women or anything because like cosplayers in general, like yep. that applies to everybody. You know, there are a lot of, uh, you know, my male cosplay friends who dress, you know, as characters with that don't have any shirts on and things like that. And they also get harassed by women. So it's not even something that's just, you know, a female or people who present as female problem. Like there are, th- we have a society problem of, hey, you're, you know, X, Y, Z. I think it's okay for me to touch you because of whatever reason. I cannot describe to you how many times at I fair. have been touched at fair at right. Rogue's Reach. No, I've seen it. Uh, I bet. <laughs> and I was a terrible ally. I did not. Although I did come to your rescue a couple times. I'd be yes. like, hey, what, we're supposed to do this thing right now, right? <laughs> and like pull pull that bullshit. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, oh, having, having community yeah. standards clearly shitty. posted so that when people are mm-hmm. shitty, there's mm-hmm. something to point to. So it's not like... Hey, this is just a judgment call for whoever I'm talking to. I'm like, no, that guy touched me. He's out. Yes. Or she touched me. Yes. She's out. I'm telling you, it doesn't care right now. Yeah. I, I am hungry to kick people out. For doing that <laughs> shit. It makes me horrifically happy. And there's a bunch of people on the board with me right. that are giddy about the idea of booting somebody for right. that crap. Yeah, because so don't do holy it. Holy crap, we just don't want those people there. Right, we yeah. just. Don't and having <laughs> it real bad. Yeah, having it posted and having it clear on like a big banner or something yep. when people first walk in, it makes people who are victims of that brave enough to say, "Hey, this really is against the rule. This isn't me just being." We a left stuck it very general, and we said, yeah. "If you obstruct somebody from having their fun here, right. they're out." Right. But sometimes having it more specific. I yes. mean, you need yes. that general one yes. too. But adding those specific yep. things, like touching someone, things yeah. like that, like that makes yep. me brave. Because I'm like, oh, well, like. I don't want to like cause a problem. Like mm-hmm. it's already weird enough for me to be here. Like yeah. I'm lucky. I have a gigantic, you know, contingent of people I know at Strategicon. Yeah. So I feel incredibly safe there. Right. And but at this point, like this many years later, like if my first couple years that happened, I mean, you know, when it happens, like I didn't the, years ago now. You know, I felt uncomfortable. I told a couple of people who were friends. They were like, "God, that guy's an asshole. Let's buy. I'll buy you a drink and make you feel better." And okay, great. Um, yeah. But. Now it's an enti- it's a very different environment. The vibe is very different, yes. and like at this point, like I would be brave enough just to be like, "Hey, asshole, don't fucking touch me." Hey, Jim or whoever or you GM. know that I would one hundred percent have your back. <laughs> I do right. back spell, of anybody. Spell it out right. though. Yeah, I don't uh, think there's anything wrong with that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, and and that's the thing is, if you just look at from look at it from a business point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to make this place as accessible as possible to get as many attendees as we can into the space. Right. Which means that we need to make sure that everybody that comes here feels okay with being here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you just look at it from the bare bones business point of view, it's in our best interest to make sure that people that harass and people that will stop people from coming yep. back to this convention being there. I'd rather get rid of one asshole and make sure that five or six other people make sure that they come back right. because that asshole isn't there. I'm perfectly happy to make the band that guy for life. Yeah. And we've done it. Yeah. And that's true of streaming communities. That's true of every convention. Yep. That's true of online forums. That's true of literally any space where multiple people are interacting in yeah. you know cyberspace or in the real world. Like like having those community guidelines where are clearly laid out that everyone is valid and everyone's important and these are the things we do not accept as a community yeah. Yeah. is pivotal and important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I know. Well, and also, most guys don't realize how important that is. Yeah. Because like, well, everybody is, of course. Well, because you yeah. do. Yeah. And yeah. Right. And it's not bad that you do. Just everybody should also feel that way. You know, if, uh-huh. you're, if you're afraid of people pointing out that you're a harasser all the time, people can point anybody out, that probably means that you're a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you, know, you know how I stem that? I don't act like an asshole towards women. And I feel pretty safe. Um, you know, uh, the, the thing about it is is that, you know, if, if you're, if you're at, a, at, at a location that's running an event and you don't feel like they're really looking out, for your best interests and for making sure that you're comfortable there, then maybe you need to find another place to go. Um, well, and that's the hard thing as women, is because there are so many conventions and so many spaces online and offline that don't make you feel yeah. safe, so then you are left with no options. Mm-hmm. What pisses me off is that the nerd community is is already sort of a persecuted community as it, as, as it stands. You we know, used to be. We kind of run the world. We, we sort of followed the world. But I'm, I'm just going back to the 90s and we 80s when we were, yeah, right. we, we ruled the world. Yeah, we ruled the world. But well, that was when we were annoying. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. you know, if, if you're part of a persecuted community or a part of a marginalized uh, community, what the hell are you doing trying to marginalize other people? You're already there, man. <laughs> it, it, it's never made sense Dude, to me whatsoever. It's yeah. Lord of the fucking Flies. Yeah. Well, so it's like the domino effect. It's like, well, if we're, you know, we yeah. can be dominant yeah. in this one area, we don't want to make space for other people. That was that was my shocking revelation when I first started gaming was I was like, seriously, there are stratas for, like, gamers? Yeah. But there were. You, it's getting better, though. It is Gina, absolutely Gina getting RPG better. Game, you're fucking drunk. You're yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. But again, like, seeing that representation. And, and actually, yes. that's one of the things, like, this email, but we've also received, like, e- a lot of emails over the years. Some of them we've read online, some of them we haven't, about, you know, different mm-hmm. people who've seen people representing, like, who represent their communities on yeah. our IPs and on the podcast. And that's that's what it is. And I work with kids. I know what it... I, I see it when they're when they're developing. Like if they see people yep. that they can relate to and they can identify with in things yep. like sciences and music and all these things, that inspires them and makes them feel like it's possible. Yep. You can see them, you can be them. It's exactly. a very important it's thing. Hundred yeah. percent. It's extremely important. Yeah. Even your grown ass in adults. media in general. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I've been pimping the shit out of work on though. Just mm. yeah. so you know. <laughs> oh, thank you. So <laughs> I'm hoping we have a. Yeah. You know. I, oh god <laughs> that's oh the best god. way to end the <laughs> too bad you're gonna be an rpg pimp next oh, thank you for yeah. the very <laughs> thought provoking uh email a great though, email. reverend dr yeah. johnson yeah. thank you sir yeah so uh, uh yeah. thanks for your efforts you are the best sincerely yeah. reverend dr johnson p.s the name is because I got an online uh, ordination when I finished my PhD. Thanks, Universal Life Church. Nice. So did nice. I, and I performed three <laughs> weddings. Nice. Really? Uh, yep. PPS. More I'm information about. I married Keith about- I married Will. I married. I, I, I maybe when I, if I get married again, maybe I'll have to hook <laughs> you up. Do it. I got the credentials, Bill. <laughs> oh my God, you should have <laughs> Jim and Stu Co. That'd, oh, be, that'd amazing. be awesome. Stu has that shit too. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be crazy. Universal Love Church. Actually, my lo- my church is legitimately named the Church of the Funkadelic Shazam. Nice. All right. 
So um, let's continue with the funkadelic. Okay. Yes. Uh, I thought you said fuckadelic. Like, Whoa. <laughs> PPS. More information about Contessa can be found here. Yeah. www.contessa.rocks. I've played in Contessa games. So good, times. and they're a fantastic. <gasps> you can re- you can find them on Twitter. You can find them a bunch of amazing. If you places. don't know about Contessa, it's all games run by women, yeah. but men are encouraged to participate yeah. as players. It's very cool. Yeah. So anybody can participate. It is yeah. fantastic online con. Look for it online. Yeah, it's, it's really great. super great and it's about like empowering more women to, women to be jams, which is something I'm very passionate about and I love that community. Um, PPPS Motivsin was a masterpiece. I loved it so much I listened around. twice. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. And I don't I even and I don't even play that game. <laughs> wow, that's that's a lot. That's a yeah, lot. <laughs> I haven't gotten through all of Mode of Sin. No, it's like three <laughs> years of game, man. <laughs> <laughs> like whoa, yeah. what, like 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 seventy games? Something. It was a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I just want your spare time, bro. That's what <laughs> <laughs> he probably has. But yes, Mode yeah. of Sin was a masterpiece. It was super fun. Yeah, and then P P P P S. Drink. Drink. I'm sorry. We were. You can drink, drink the drinks. I had one drop of my wine left. All right. Have a squidge. Thank you. That was a fantastic conversation, you guys. Wasn't it? Yeah, I really, it really appreciate was. that. That is too. a great. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a and, good group to have. And again, I you know, love gamers. I do want to. I do want to just before we move on to the next email. I do want to say, encouraging new groups to enter the hobby is not saying that the current groups in the hobby are bad or in any way. Because I know that there are times where, you know, uh, we, we do have an amazing group of white male, straight male listeners. Like, this is not saying you are negative or you nope. are bad in any way. It's saying that the community is better for having more people. And again, I'm going to steal from Drone and that there's not a finite amount mm-hmm. of space in this community. Right. Like, yeah. whatever your gaming group looks like, whatever you want your gaming group to look like, like, other great gaming groups can look completely different. And that's fan-fucking-tastic. Plus yep. is by definition positive. Exactly. All right. Yep. Huh? Player. Yeah, I like that. I'm gonna put that in my classroom. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, player pride. I mean, you can add a negative, but we're gonna ignore it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, That's it. Two negatives. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Stop. <laughs> <laughs> the kids aren't even gonna read it once, so it'll just be on the board. It'll make me feel better. I'm gonna stand by my first word. Yeah. 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 Okay. So no, all right. Good. Player pride. Has to read. Uh, Costa from Adelaide. Not it. Who's all gonna right. read? You are. Uh, I'm so drunk. Oh, sorry. Yeah, right. Make it as big as little as there you want. There we go. There we go. Player Pride Costa from Adelaide. G'day, Happy, G- Happy Jacks folk. G'day. Costa here from Adelaide G'day. again. Figured it's high time to send you guys a letter again, hoping that this time I don't make too many people sad with stories of my gaming past. Uh, just wanted to say that I am loving the new actual play stream with ShadowCon and One Shot Saturdays. Let's see a whole new si- uh, let's see whole new systems run by GMs who are able to explain it new- to new players. Uh, definitely uh, makes it a lot easier for me to learn new systems as I struggle with reading mounts of uh, mountains of text at one time. Damn you, Shadowrun, for World of <laughs> and World of Darkness. I love you both, but by gods, <laughs> do I have the energy? Do I do I have the energy to read all of you? No. Oh, um, oh you know what's great? Tubby's what you need excited. to do is read it while you do cardio, and then you can be in awesome shape because the hours and hours and hours you have to go through Shadowrun Fifth Edition, and I know this. I'll leave that I, caddy, but I do not promote I exercise don't in any way. I think I knew one of the words in that sentence. <laughs> what's that? Cardio. Oh, yeah. Explain cardio. Is that anything like Cardi B? She's got a... <gasps> Love <laughs> yes. Cardi B. Actually, awesome. it's what Cardi B does. All oh, right. Now that she's back from home, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I get it now. 
cool. Something I have been musing on recently, uh, the warm, giddy feeling of seeing your uh, medium grow around you. I am predominantly a Call of Cthulhu keeper and have shown it nice. off in many in many a player. Oh, awesome. Oh, Great. my. Wow. <laughs> to my shock, a lot of people are quite receptive to the game, and, and many have shown an interest in uh, wanting to run the game themselves. It fills me with the insane level of euphoria when it happens, and I oh, thought oh, it awesome. should be something more people should enjoy. Insane being the operative word. Indeed. <laughs> because you lose sanity as you run it. Uh, the... Uh, <laughs> This leads me to question uh, a question for all of you. Do any of you have a moment that sticks out to you of great pride to see your players going off and run games, taking inspiration off of you? Or maybe you have a giddy feeling to see them uh, learning something from your table. Uh, take a drink. Uh, shall, shall be writing in more, so, uh, more soon, hopefully, when... Uh, when knew that starting a small business would leave me with no time to sit down and oh. write emails to you all, oh. a bunch of drunk bastards on the other side of the right world. Right on for starting <laughs> a small business. Yeah, right on. Yeah, yeah. Congrats to you, man. P.S. I've done that too my many times. My lover, Call of Cthulhu, has led me to being uh, asked to run table if it of it at PAX uh, <laughs> Melbourne, which is freaking awesome. Just a few Melbourne. more steps up, and I can justify coming to America to run a game for your magnificent folk. Yeah. You're welcome, Mr. Tijikon, anytime. Please There's a free come. pass waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Um, See? I have run a table of 13 players. It's yes, like 13 players. Whoa, players. for Call of Cthulhu? Oh. Holy mother of crap. Whoa. Straight big what? props to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> One of which I had actually played a game before. <laughs> so only you only had one player that had to play the game before. Holy crap. Uh, for Call of Cthulhu before, and it was rather enjoyable. So I'm tempted to see if it's possible to run a game with all of you wow. XD or, or maybe just four to five players. Who knows? Thanks. Costa from yeah. Adelaide. Um, but Costa like I said... Comes, I'll play in a game with 13 people. I don't care. Uh, yeah. That'd Oof. be fabulous. You'll no. get the boardroom, buddy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm yeah, good. Good for Here, you. Did you want to yeah. see? I don't. I, I don't want to play this. <laughs> I love Call of Cthulhu games. Yeah. Call of Cthulhu. Okay, so I've only, I've actually only played in a few Call of Cthulhu Me games. Me too. The first one I ever played. Oh gosh, I think it was 18, and I had a character who was bad at shooting because. I mean, yeah. that's a You're skill you don't need. Bad at, yeah, you don't yeah. you don't need to shoot. What are you going to do? Shoot a chugoth? I mean, what yeah, are you going to do? Um, and so, but I had a, a flare gun for some reason, and I got attacked by zombies in a library. So I tried to shoot the zombie, and I missed. And I lit the library and fire where we needed a book. And I went downhill <laughs> from there. <laughs> but that sounds like an awesome game. It was a great game. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in any case, do you have any situations where you felt pride about? Well, yes. actually, uh, for for he me, what I actually just talked about was a guy who is a professional game designer mm-hmm. who's like really, really high up in this company that a lot, like more than a million people, have downloaded their app nice. for this game, uh-huh. and wow. he and the other people are role playing together and not getting the experience that my players are getting. Because their group is all cis white head males, mm-hmm. and so, mm-hmm. but and, and so that, but also that I get to or I manage to uh, run my game around how my players are, so that who what they bring to the table gets expressed. Yes, and and so I think as a GM. 
I like to bounce off my players, and I like to get my players to express themselves in the game, and I get to express myself mm-hmm. in the game, and that's mm-hmm. really important. Um, and so the, the fact that my game is unique for these professional game designers who have all been role-playing since they were like 10, and mm-hmm. they're yeah. all in their 40s or more. Yep. Um, that's us, Tappy. I think I find that <laughs> it's an I, I'm very proud route. of that. I'm very proud that I, I managed <laughs> yeah. to not only have a group to do it, but that I can run a game in such a way that they get to express themselves. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit. Um, so, um, right now I'm helping Mike, who's in our GNX game. He's running an online game for some of his college friends, and it's one of his first kind of GMing experiences. Um, so, like, specifically the question was uh, when, you know, your players go off and are GMing their own games. Um, it was him that I was recently designing. I know, Tia. I, think I know. They grow up so fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was actually showing him with the, the sticky notes, like, modular game design and how to, you know, can't, these things can happen in my game and they can happen in any order. Um, but the one that really sticks in my mind is uh, Jason, who designed Demigods. And, yeah. like... One of my favorite GMs. I, I have a, a plethora of amazing GMs I get to play with, but he is amazing. Um, he was texting with me the other day, and he said to me, "He's like, yeah, when I'm jamming, I think, what would you do? What would Kimmy do?" And I was like, oh, "Jason, That's when I jam, cool. I think, what would Jason do?" <laughs> so we had this like moment yeah. of like, "But I think about you. Well, I think about you." And it was just, it was pretty amazing. But I, it's really cool to to have other to have pl- people who have played in your games like kind of you know feel that confidence um, in because you have to be confident as a player before you can be confident as a GM so the fact that your players are kind of like yes I can fly you're like I helped a little like I can mm. be the wind to fly on or whatever the it wind is beneath yeah. your with your wings, wings. yeah <laughs> Um, you know, like like I like like taking a little bit of confidence. Like as a GM, you gave them a situation where they felt p- empowered enough that they wanted to create that for somebody else. Um, and it's very much like I, I think you know teaching kids. Like when I teach kids a concept and they feel cool enough that they can go to their buddy and teach their buddy that concept, or feel confident in like answering a question from their friends, like that's a big thing. Well, and it's not only that they feel confident. To, mm-hmm. to riff off of what you're saying, because I guess that's been my experience. I, more of an experience as a player, but some experience as a GM, um, that not only are they confident enough, but they think they can do it better. Yeah. And and I think that's fucking <laughs> rad. Absolutely. Because maybe not better, different. Yeah. Like, when you sit there long enough and you go, that is really cool and I'm having so much fun, I would have done this. Yeah. Or I would have done this. Yeah, very cool. So it's really cool to have somebody that's played at a table with you want to, like you said, take yeah. take over and run a table. Yeah. yeah. Because and they feel like they can do a good job. Yeah. And one of the, oh, yeah, let me finish real quick. Go for it. Um, one of the things that I'm really excited with Mike's game, and I only get his, because I don't play in that game, so I only get his his stories from it, so who knows, yeah. but um, the fact that he, he he's the one I was also talking about earlier where I'm trying to teach him how to get his players to be more open world. Mm-hmm. Because he started off with players who really only played D&D and they were like looking for the right answer he ha- he expected. And he's like, how do I break them of this habit? So now they're in some, I don't even know, it's a, it's a space game. They're now breaking into the equivalent of Amazon on a moon somewhere to steal mustache wax to oh trade with somebody else. For a thing they really need. Like, it's this crazy, amazing-sounding game. Yeah, that sounds legit. It's totally legit. Yeah. Because 
and and he's like, you know, you know, playing in the Happy Jacks games, like I, I've experienced these really open world games where the players kind of get to drive the story. So he's been really working at cultivating that type of environment yeah. for his game. And that makes me, for Happy Jacks, and also as a, someone who's GM'd him a couple times, like, like very proud of that. Like, uh-huh. that's great. And the fact that he's able to pull them from that, there is a rail we must follow to, mm-hmm. oh my god, we can break it. We will, yeah. you, we need a thing. Do you want mustache wax? Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Okay, great. Like, the space awesome. game. Learn how to be proactive and learn how to let your players be proactive when they decide to be. Yeah. So, anyway, uh-huh. that was my share of, like, yeah. my most recent proud moments. Um, well, I mean, one thing, I'm going to try and get Jim to talk here because 20 years ago plus <laughs> when we were playing together, like, I was really intimidated. Wow. Um, and I did not run games uh-huh. way back in the day. We all um, had those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need to flip our experience. Cause that's- <laughs> no, seriously, I, I've known Tappy since he was like a wee boy. Yeah, I must have uh, been, what, 16? 16? 15, oh, 16, cool. yeah. Um, but one of the things why one of the reasons why I think that Happy Jacks is so successful in what they do, and this is kind of odd in the fact that for a, for a large portion of them, they're musicians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that musicians have a certain connection to being able to follow a melody. Uh, and and not only that, but they're fair musicians, which means that they're used to interacting. Renaissance on, fair, not Renaissance like. Fair. Equitable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're not, I'm not calling them carnies. <laughs> no. they, they all have full size thumbs. Yeah. Um, but that that they're used to sort of like this improvisational yeah. element to to to, uh-huh. to their hobby. So all of these things sort of fall together in, 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 into making sort of like a, a perfect storm for for RPGs. Um, but what I can say is one the the proud moments that I have is when when I role play something and it breaks a certain barrier or it, it, it uh, or it yes. changes a, a misconception about something about the way that the, the way that these games work um, one of the main examples is when I, I, I I've talked about l5r before and we were what? basically involved in the beta test we were bought in the writing of the game mm-hmm. I was actually involved with Clanmore the miniatures game as far as development I worked for the company uh, but one of my proudest moments was when I really understood what that Samurai drama was about, and I was the very first person in our group to go. I voluntarily die. Yeah, uh huh. I remember that. Uh, which was an unknown element to our gaming group at that point at all. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. I'm just taking it to the chin. I'm just going to die. I'll make a new character uh, yeah. because, wow. I, and my character just full on Kenobi'd. Uh, where <laughs> yeah. we, we had, we were having a Nijutsu duel, and says, "All right, I'm not even going to only die. So I, I lose on purpose." Like, oh. what? Well, politically wow. speaking, if I die, this and this and this happens, cool, which cool, is great cool. for my clan, and it also helps my friend doing this and this and this. And the GM literally sat there for a good 20 minutes going, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're, you do that, and your character dies. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, cool. <laughs> and, <laughs> and everybody was just like, like, took a minute to go, you you, you suicided your character. You love that character. I know I yeah. love this character. But you know what this character loves more than anything? Rokugan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and that sort of set a tenor, mm-hmm. a, a timbre for the entire yeah. rest of our, our L5R experience well, throughout. I, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the entire experience. Yeah. yeah. Period. I mean, it changed everything. It changed everything. Yeah. So I went, no, the part of the point of this game is mm-hmm. sacrificing yourself for a greater mm-hmm. entity. Yeah. That's and, super cool. and, and I set that and that's one of my 
one of my proudest moments as far as, as RPG when I went, dude, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to let yeah. a character go. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. And, and, and because that's, that's such a hard thing for a lot of people to do when they invested so much in this character. Yeah. I mean, I've paid this character for a good 20 sessions going into this. Ah. Yeah. I, you know, and that's the choice I made. And, and I think that in general, everybody that played in our L5R games from then on had a better experience and experienced L5R in a, in a more genuine way yeah. mm-hmm. because I did that. That's and that's an cool. extremely proud po- moment for me. Yeah. One, one of the best things is going into battle. And we're all going into battle and everybody writes their death haiku. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's a very real possibility you're not coming you're out not of that You're not coming out of that bad boy. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and dealing with the reality of player death is, is always a challenge for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there are certain games where you resist it as much as you can, but I'm going to tell you, there are certain games where there's a certain beauty and poetry to just letting go and doing that thing for the right reasons. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to sing that because that, we're going to get sued for that song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Definitely get sued for that song. But yes. no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, awesome. So, I totally. Oh, no, do you have. Well, I just want to say, okay, there we do have. Uh, this is a fantastic conversation. We have one more email that yeah. is urgent that we need to get to. So I just want us to be aware of that time. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I was just going to say this is a tall, yeah. tall poppy syndrome thing, anyway. So I didn't really want to talk about poppies. it too much. <laughs> but um, there was a seminar uh, at the con I just went to uh, that was about leadership at the table and about how leadership at the table doesn't just mean the the GM or the MC or the mm-hmm. DM. Um, it is super, super cool to watch choices you make uh, as a player uh, to play your character affect the way other people approach their role play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that, to me, is m- more collaborative than even the collaborative storytelling when you kind of start finding these commonalities and you, you are um, kind of sympathetic and on the same sort of I don't know, wavelength as the other people you're playing at, and you all kind of raise your game mm-hmm. in a different way. Yeah. So that's super yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Or like the idea of that failure increases drama and is a good thing. Mm. Uh, yes, you know, that's and, another and, one. And, yep. it, 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 all these elements where, where people will react negatively just because generally it's a bad thing for them in their personal life. No, we're telling a story. It's slightly a different environment and where yep. bad things actually can be good. Mm-hmm. See, that's not just a bullshit excuse when I roll bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> People agree with me. Failure Sorry, go ahead, Debbie. Well, and also, if you're a nerd, which what? I think we are, right? you can look at this, you know, this reminds me when, when Gina said uh, a leadership yeah. uh, mm-hmm. a situa- like uh, a scenario, like there is tons of research out there for leadership, mm-hmm. for giving people what makes people want to do things, what makes people yep. want to play. And I've, I brought this up before a number of times uh, with uh, Jane McGonigal, who's this positive psychologist yeah. um, who works for the game industry and talks about how to get uh, people to buy in, uh, how to get engagement, mm-hmm. and what to give people. And uh, I think that's another like thing that I really found that I'm proud of uh, is, is finding these positive psychology uh, techniques yes. in order to bring to my game to get people engaged. Uh-huh. And I highly, highly, highly recommend you to yep. uh, research Jane McGonigal because mm-hmm. she's amazing, but other positive psychologists. Yes. Um, and like how 
like the research they go into and what makes people excited, what yep. makes people want to do things, and I think yeah. that'll make you a much better better GM. So yeah. you just I think so too. jog my memory there awesome. with that leadership convention. That's awesome. Thing. Yeah, and, and player, really like it, it helps as a player. Yeah, yes. player, like it's yeah. not just for GMs. Like, yeah, absolutely. You can act, you can be a huge uh, asset to a game as a as a player, not leading people like you know the general. In, yeah. Uh, but like, hey, like knowing how to like help yeah. facilitate. Yeah. Or just mm-hmm. providing a, a good example for 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 other players that may be newer too, yeah. and yeah. being brave. Yep. Yeah. And, and and being able and being mature enough to face consequences because or ex- you know raw expression versus more surface le- level expression of emotions right. yeah. or just all sorts of different things like right. you said uh-huh. and then you know it's got to be right for the table but yeah. but just feeling that out and feeling what mm-hmm. yeah. People feel really um, rewarded and um, I don't know proud. Yeah. yeah. When th- when they're able to achieve things mm-hmm. that are new and they feel good uh, yeah. about and, it. And also building connections with the other players. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and really sort of like putting yourself out there emotionally and, yep. and and expressing yourself positively and getting good feedback from it because yeah. there's nothing more Fuck that can yeah. build your self esteem better than getting positive ex- uh, uh, feedback from you being vulnerable. Yeah. It's just yep. yeah. yeah. I would love to hear more uh, experiences of people trying to be good players, mm. of vulnerable players, yeah. of active players, of players expressing their motivation. What happens, good or bad? Or yeah. Political yeah. choices. We yeah. talk so much about what GMs can do. Yeah. And I really, I, I'm excited about this idea of Happy Jack's players being like the <laughs> best only, players people have ever seen. It's only 50% of the, of the equation. Yeah. yeah. You know? I, think so, I think so How too, rad would I, that be? And I think Absolutely. even though the GM portion is super, super important and it's what really engages a lot of people that listen listen, knowing how those triggers work for the people that play at your table is yeah. really important. And when you're playing yeah. and you're being proactive, you know yeah. more of what that's like to be a GM. When yeah. you're GM and trying to yeah. get people more proactive, that makes you better as a player. Yeah. Yep. Fuck yeah. So, I, I'm really excited about that. Yep. Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Alright, so we have cool. an email that is urgent help from Gaz the DM in the Netherlands. Or a Nederlander. Nederlander. <laughs> so this is a super long email, so I feel like we need <clears throat> to tag team this. Uh, yes, please. Okay. So we'll, I, we'll I, each read a part of it, so we'll yes. start with Tappy. I may it's have been In the been Netherlands, drinking. we call this kindergarten. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take oh, turns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, kindergarten. I'm yeah. just addicted to big mouth. That was a um, <laughs> dear Happy Jack crew, here I am again after a long time not sending an email but listening to the podcast as a silent looker. And in my opinion, you have the best podcast there is for RPGs. Woot. Thank you. I learn a lot from your cast, and will also have a great laugh as I listen to your cast every day on my bike from and to work. Yes. Oh, man, you are from the Netherlands. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, That's so sweet. That'd be, no, that'd be so rad. Imagine no, we all on bikes instead of a billion cars here. Yeah. Uh, Maybe the world wouldn't end in 2040. Well, I take public transportation, so... Yeah, Yeah. good for you. Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, I now request your help again. I have two questions and one story to tell. And this might be a long email. Spoiler! It is. (laughs) Well, you're in good company. Yes. Uh, First of all, the most important question I need help with, and the reason why there was urgent in the title of this email. I'm running a game of the module of Storm King's Thunder, from here on mentioned as SKT. And I'm running into a problem of the adventure. Be warned, 
spoilers for player who want to or are playing SKT. All right. Um, is this is Storm King Thunder the game? Uh, no, I believe it's a D and D fifth edition. It's a D and D fifth edition yeah, adventure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the module is deadly as hell. Oh yes, haha, you're right. <laughs> uh, in the beginning, as far as to set up possible encounters for level four players, uh, to encounter fully grown fire giants who Ooh. can actually one shot PCs. That is ridiculous. That is wow. Yeah. Uh, that's like Tomb of Ayuchiban bullshit there. Yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's one of the... I, I know about this module, <laughs> and this module is only really smart players can really pull this off. This is a very difficult adventure. Go ahead. Um, the campaign is set up that the players have no idea what's going on at the beginning of the adventure. They know that giants have been doing more aggressive stuff than before. So hill giants attacking villages when they were... Uh, scared before stone giants demolishing stuff and all other kinds of bad things. However, the entire start of the adventure doesn't tell the players really much and it is only built to get to level 5 so that they can get to the rest of the adventure. Uh, Now the players are about to enter the open world part of this adventure. Oh, so they got through the giants bit. That's good. Uh, Yeah. Uh, And at the end part of this adventure, they learn what is actually going on. The giant god uh, shattered the ordning, so there's no giant hierarchy anymore. And the giants are fighting over who will become the new king of giants. Just so everybody knows, there was a caste system for giants. With storm giants at the top and hill giants at the bottom, there was a real hard hierarchy between all of the giants. Uh, what? what? D&D having a superset thing? But the thing it's was is that the, that hierarchy was determined by the, the giant gods to be detrimental to the development of giants in general because of a, an event that happened. So he tore, so the gods tore down that hierarchy and they have to basically sort it out for themselves and it's mm. part of the plot. It's actually a very interesting thing. That is interesting. I am so glad you're here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That is very that's, cool. That's way cool. This is a, yeah. Now mm. I want to play D and D. Which I actually like D and D. Actually, I like D&D. flipping. I do too. I, no, no, D and D. D and D is great, yeah. and the the flipping of the script kind of from Frodo, you need to go take this ring. Yeah. To oh shit, fucked up shit going on. What are you gonna do? Yeah. That's I really like that idea. You're saying there's something wrong with Lord of the Rings, Tappy? No, I just I like reading Lord of the Rings. It was written very well. It was written super well, exceptionally well, so well that I don't need to do that game. Right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Right. right? <laughs> so I mean, somebody already writ- wrote it. Yes. Right. And they did a great job writing it. They did it. a great job so writing good. it. Yeah. Um, Fantastic, whoever that was. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I also heard they're good at languages. Yeah. I heard that. Um, and they fought World War One. Cool. That's where the, the yes. thing uh, you will not pass comes from, is from Verdun, is they will not pass. Yeah. Tappy, I had a Silmarillion-themed wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for telling me these things. I wrote a song that my bridesmaid sang in Elvish. Wait a Mansplain Tolkien to Kimmy. I wasn't explaining it just to Kimmy. No, it's not mansplaining. I Tolkien explained it. Tolkien explained it. Don't Tolkien explain to a Tolkien scholar. I was looking to you for approval. Approval. Oh, okay. All right. All right. You know more about Tolkien than literally anybody else I know. Except my husband. 
Really? I don't know your husband that oh, yeah. well. Yeah, nice. Yeah, no, he knows so much more than I do. It's crazy. So wait, oh, maybe, I love is that, that. you married him? That's one of the reasons. Our, our <laughs> first date ended up being this huge, crazy, like, dive into the Cimmerillion and Tolkien lore. And that's where you're wow. like, maybe we'll have a second date. This is working well. Wow. <laughs> that's I went to super pick up my cool. wife on our first date, and yeah. she was playing World of Warcraft, and I said... This one might work out. Okay. See, that was our that was our third date. Yeah. Is he handed me his phone to see something, and I saw he had the World of Warcraft app. And Let I was like, us be a lesson unto you. Yeah, mine had, mine had a, a Dune encyclopedia that was so really? well thumbed that Whoa. it actually almost fell apart. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. You have a nerd boner on that. Yeah. No, it, it makes me happy. It does. All right, continue. I have no idea where I am. <laughs> I don't know either. Just um, the thing with the, stuff. Uh, the rest of the adventure, I think. Talking about the giants and their the Madro's deadliest health, Kim Quaining. Oh yes, the rest of the adventure. Yes. Yes. Now the player's about to open enter the open world as part of this adventure. And at the end part of this adventure, they learn what is actually going on. Oh yeah, we did that. The problem is that the players do not have any actual motivation to well deal with all of this, except because it's the good thing to do. And telling them out or telling them out of game, this is how the adventure goes. So meta, basically. Yeah. Right, yeah. so you don't want to meta it. Yeah. Uh, I sprinkled some homebrew kind of motivation for the players in forms of visions and dreams. Each of the players got a personal vision. Mm-hmm. So the PC rogue sees him sitting on a giant throne, decked in all kinds of magical goodies, and lording over shadowy figures. The cleric sees a giant figure sitting in the same chair, but all of the people around him are dead, slain by massive weapons. So they have a small bit of motivation to go figure out what happened, but not as much to go into the actual dangerous places with no clear goal. Mm. Got it. The book doesn't offer much help, which is the downside that more DMs are complaining about on the interwebs, because it, well, just expects players to follow the adventure, because, well, that's why you run the book. However, as you all know, players like to do things themselves. Crazy. What? Agency? (laughs) Now I'm trying to figure out a way to get the PCs more motivated in the story and having them to uh, have actual proper motivation to do all this. Uh, I have a diverse party of players. A uh, tiefling rogue whose motivation is power and wealth, together with his half-orc bodyguard. A lizardman cleric that went on adventure because he couldn't sit still in his tribe. uh, Went away and then saw his tribe gone uh, and doesn't know if they are alive or dead. Oh, they, they disappeared. Uh, a tabaxi ranger who is on this adventure because he heard a prophecy that apparently was about him and it looked like fun to see where that would take him. <laughs> and a new PC <laughs> that gets their next session. Okay, I'm just going to stop for a second. Like, that's amazing. Like, that was a prophecy about me. I just figured I'd go along uh-huh. with it. It's cool to see what happens. It's like, yeah, you know, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't really buy into this bullshit, but I want to see what happens. The it's Oracle like Ted. Me by it, it is. They're like, it's like you, <laughs> <laughs> you must do this. All right, I guess uh-huh. I will. Yeah, okay. Cool. Uh, I like that. <laughs> Sorry. Totally yeah. Dead, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, totally. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, a tiefling sorcerer is also. Yeah. Uh, a tiefling sorcerer that in her backstory was a victim of a magical experiment. That has five spirits living inside her, Ooh. all giving her sort of a split personality, and she's looking for a way to get the other five out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you can give me some helpful tips, so ideas, or something dead. I can use for this. Mm-hmm. Shit. Okay, well, I mean, the tiefling sorcerer easy. Have one spirit be like, hey, 
you got to do this bullshit because I was a giant? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the new PC, we, hey, hey, new PC, you're going to give yourself a motivation <laughs> <laughs> on why you're going to do this. Oh, that's, um, that's hard. That is a hard one. Um, so so it's, it's a, he's asking how he can motivate players to go with the railroad of, or am I misunderstanding? No, I think it isn't that he he doesn't want to give them motivation. He wants them to be motivated themselves to follow the module. I think. Okay. Is it you want? Th- I, I think I, this is the situation. Yeah. The module has a certain end goal yes. mm-hmm. and a certain enemy that, that that you're supposed to fight. The characters being from generics places don't have any particular vestment into that incre- into mm-hmm. that current narrative and he wants to give them a reason to actually be vested in that storyline mm-hmm. uh, without which is difficult because giants be giants what the hell does it have to do with me um, that's hard man if, if, if your players aren't willing to go along and sort of build something towards that goal you have to basically come up with some kind of MacGuffin all the way to all the way around, and since you have a, a, a fairly diverse player group, that means that you have to come up with a different motivation for just about every character. Yeah, Man, that's a rough question. Yeah, I mean, th- I mean, you can kind of go with the generic, uh-huh. like it's good for the realm. Like if these if these giants are everywhere fighting and they're trampling on cra- crops, on crops, on crops, and you know, and villages, and ruining life for all the people in the kingdom, then you know. It's been the best interest to figure out why the fuck this is happening and how can we stop it from happening anymore. Obviously, the answer isn't going to. You can't kill all the giants, right? And maybe their players, maybe they'll do that. I don't. I don't take responsibility if that's what your players come up with. If they try and burn them, that's going to happen. Well, <laughs> fire giants don't burn well. Uh, well, well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, or do or they, do they burn so well? So well. <laughs> um, now, one of the great things about this kind of stuff is that you can either see something as an obstacle or an opportunity. Right. The way I look at this is this is an opportunity to create a political game. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Oh, interesting. Where the after effect of this giant war or this uh, basically destabilization of their culture will would actually have ramifications upon the other realms of other races. Uh, strong ramifications. Um, you know, because really the, the there there should be a lot of trade, there should be a, there should be some interaction between the giants and other people. So if if you if you really think about it, there might be some reason why the king of the whatever realm that you're that yeah. you're in goes, "Hey, look, we need somebody to take care of this crap because politically speaking, if the frost giants win this thing, we're going to be boned because we trade with the fire giants." Mm-hmm. And uh, usually the storm giants have been a stabilizing force in that, mm-hmm. and now they're gone. So, you know, you can really create sort of political reasons within your realm to try to be more proactive in that struggle because you have to give characters ramifications to what's going on. Yeah. If you don't give any, any real ramifications to things going south or going or, or, or not, they're not going to be motivated, motivated into doing something. So right. you can create a political situation that the mm-hmm. characters get drawn into, and you can use that as a party motivation instead of individual motivation. Yeah, James B., who's in the chat room right now, yeah. has run this, and he says, the factions in SKT would help create what Jim is talking about. The information is in the module, you just kind of have to dig it out. So there are factions and things that you can use for a more political motivation um, already built in there, so just look for it. Look for those, yeah. Uh, and also, you know, w- especially with a new character that you have coming up, 
How about working with that new character to yeah. give them a very hardcore motivation for wanting to do these things and a reason to drag the other player characters along with them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, it, it, you're, you're in a really good point in that you have a new player joining and you can actually start to, start to create a character background for that character that would be a driving motivation for the rest of the group to move forward in your narrative. Yeah, it might be fun to flip things on its head, like... A lot of games have like, oh, the king wants you to sit, you know fix this for the good of the realm. Maybe one of the you know chieftains of one of the mm-hmm. giant tribes. It's like I cannot get involved with this because we would start a war with the other tribe. So we need random humans. We're going to pay you really well, random humans. We're also going to deny any knowledge of your involvement. Blah blah blah. Deniable assets yeah. is always a great way to bring in an adventuring group because right. they're they're not really tied down to anything. Yeah, which is. A, a perfect idea for any D and D game, right? Uh, and it's super fun for for cha- change. You know, instead of working for a random king, it's like you're working for the giants. The giants are tired of fighting with each other or something. They want right. this to stop. Maybe this is part of uh, part of what you're doing there. You know, or, or maybe exactly. Uh, so look at it from a macro scale mm-hmm. instead of trying to look at it from a personal motivation scale for each individual character. Try to zoom it out and look at it from from a more global scale and see what kind of political maneuverings that they can be part of and which factions that they can ally themselves with. Yeah. And may, and it's always fun to give characters some choices into who they're going to align themselves with. Too. Yeah. I'm curious about what kind of homebrew motivation he gave them too, because that to me sounds like an awesome way to hook the players you know that you got for this game versus the plethora of players there could have been for yeah. this game. So. I'm wondering if that if that engaged them partially or that just didn't you know that washed out because increasing that kind of a you know vision quest or something like that you're chosen whatever I th- I think that sounds kind of awesome. And it's so also a really I don't know great if it went over really well yeah, to talk about how important it is yeah. when you're helping your players play, make their uh-huh. characters and having them giving you plot hooks. Uh-huh. For, for those characters, yeah. I, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm just entering into a five, fifth edition game. We're playing in the same sort of general realm right now, too. It's really important when you create your character to go, "Hey, these are a couple of things that my character is yeah. sort of about," and giving the GM some opportunity to sort of like poke at those motivations or poke at those goals and have them align with other things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it. Once again, I, I, I go into the thing. This is a partnership. You have to work with. GMs have to work with players, and players have to work with GMs. Because if you don't start creating interesting situations for for the, for the player characters to go to, you can't just leave that completely up to the GM. That's yeah. my personal theory. I agree. Uh, players should try and figure out why they're motivated to do stuff. Yeah. Well, like yeah. I am an adventurer. Yeah. I am adventuring. But think you about know, normal I- people. Usually, somebody's a plumber. Or an electrician. Well, and even or if a lawyer, somebody's you know somebody is uh, motivated by wealth, and somebody is motivated by a tribe, and somebody is motivated by adventure or mm-hmm. fame. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Look yeah. at the Wizard of Oz. Those right. dudes all wanted different shit, right? But, but they all went with the little dog and the girl with the red shoes right. to go get their shit. Because they all they all figured out like I want a heart. Yeah, and then and then I say, oh wait, I bet you a wizard could give me that. Yeah, they could yeah, say, exactly. well, fuck a together. wizard. Yeah, 
Yeah. What's going on with you and this dog? I'm gonna. Yeah. I need to yeah. figure out how to get my shit and go so off on their own. How do you get so. your wealth and your fame and your right. whatever for your tribe? And how your... big is that dog's brain? <laughs> 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 That's a player character answer. Can I set the dog on fire and steal its brain? It's brain. <laughs> the brain will cook off. No, don't do it. Um, but yeah, like are smart <laughs> and they fly. Maybe I could put my brain in a monkey. In a monkey. And fly. And fly. Then I have yeah, I'll put my brain in a monkey's chest and put his lungs in its <laughs> That brain. is the PBTA answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. You actually had a better point than that. I totally forget I'm what sorry. it is. I oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. yeah, but no, but I, I think what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, like, I, I think players should figure out why they want to do stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and you saying, well, you know, uh, obviously this is the prophecy I heard about. Right. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Obviously, this will bring me wealth. Hundred mm-hmm. uh, percent. Yeah. Cleric that. Yeah. Shit with this tribe. I don't know. Tribe. Something, well, something. that cleric is like, well, I'm gonna find my tribe when I get all this bullshit. Yeah. From yeah. This. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Please no. come with us. We need a cleric. Well, yeah. things like clerics and paladins are easy to motivate. Yeah. Because you can just God. give them a message from yeah. their deity, and yeah. it's it's a done deal. Um, generalize oh, yeah. all paladins. Like, yeah. You can be complex and be a paladin. Yeah, <laughs> I've played it's several true. paladins. I played a paladin once that uh, had to go to Chicago, or 106 <laughs> miles, and had a full tank of gas, half pack cigarettes, okay. dark and they were in sunglasses. I played a DD in my dwarf paladin, and the only reason I was playing a dwarf paladin is because I said, just make me a character, I don't care, just dwarf fighter, fine. So your stats were too good, I had to make you a paladin. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, we go, we go. In, we're in the Underdark, and we find the bunch of Dark Elves. And the first thing that happens is my paladin goes in. Goes, Shit, we're in a Dark Elf Citadel. The Half Elf is going to go off, and I'm going to have to back his play. And at the <laughs> very same time, writing on a note is the the Half Elf going, Shit, we're in an evil realm. The paladin's going to cook off, and I'm going to have to back his play. <laughs> and the wizard, the gray wizard going, Oh shit, the good aligned people are going to cook off. <laughs> I'm going to have to back their play. When we shared all the notes, we're basically all aligned the same way, going, Oh fuck, this is bad. Somebody's going <laughs> to do something bad, and I'm going to have to back their play. But we all stayed cool, man. Nice. Um, but it, 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 it's it's one of those things where there's a lot more sources for motivation than just your basic motivations yeah. for an individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's duty. There's honor. There's a lot of things. Hashtag that duty. Hashtag justice. Hashtag justice. Yeah. Hashtag okay. truth. Hashtag <laughs> power. Duty. Hashtag power. <laughs> uh, and I wish you would have been running this thing. I thought it was just going to be Stu and some other people or else I would have bought you your... Gene X card that. Oh, that's all right. No worries. Um, but um, you know, look at it from a from a more global point of view, and see what pol- what political resources you have to to try to motivate characters. Yep. Uh, and and you know because when you're talking about kings, you can go straight up Conan and just throw a bunch of rubies at you. Go find my daughter. Uh, because uh-huh. gold loses his luster and, and rubies lose their their shine. Because all I want, all all I am, is a father that wants his daughter back. And diamonds um, are a girl's best friend. And diamonds yeah. are a girl's yeah. best friend. But you know, <laughs> exactly. there 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 are a lot of reasons why somebody will pay you to do something. There, you can choose sides in a faction. Yeah. You can switch sides in a faction, which is in the middle of the thing, which is always super fun. You're dealing with a situation where you have a lot of different elements involved. Find elements that your characters might align themselves to, and you'll. And you'll find ready motivation for us. 
All right, this is a long email. We should continue. Okay. Okay, not it. Yeah. All right. Now for the second question. It's something that is eating me from the inside because I don't know (laughs) if I did something wrong or was right or if it was the right choice to make. Like a chest burster. Oh my god. (laughs) Awesome. Um, I was part of a gaming group in another city that played once every two weeks. Two weeks. And after work, (laughs) yes, uh, I had to get into a train and have a fifteen-minute ride to play for two hours. The other players could bike there or had their own car. I alone was bound by public transport. So this means I only had two-ish hours to play the game, and I had to pay for the train tickets. As a player, I am a min-maxer and a rules lover. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I enjoy know. the game you want to enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. You play the way you want to play. Um, I, know it's, uh, I know it's bad, but I respect that the GM, uh, uh, but I respect that the GM has the last say. And because I only have two hours of playtime every session, I like it when the story goes forward instead of, well, fucking around and not accomplishing anything. You and me both, brother. We were playing the adventure Out of the Abyss, and I made a Shadar Kai Ranger. Ranger. I can say ranger. All the weird words, and I mess up ranger. (laughs) 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 You know what? That speaks more to your nerd than it is. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) I teach kids to read. All right. Um, With plans of going to the Underdark uh, specialization, because, well, it's the Underdark adventure. After three sessions of play, I figured out that my character didn't fit the group. He was a bit too much of a loner and as uh, motivation for everything else wanted to leave the Underdark but wanted to stay, uh, stay to find his family. So after session three we're all traveling. Three PCs and six story NPCs from the adventure. Ooh, that's a lot of NPCs. That's a lot of NPCs. That's, a lot of that's NPCs. true. Please see yeah, the last episode of this oh, podcast where we talk really. about GNPCs. Yeah, they're they're, I was wondering the why there was no hopping. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it's a, it Kimberly. sounds like they're written into the adventure, though. Wow. All right. Yeah. It'll say Kimberly. <laughs> yes, it's, the, the, the document says Kimberly because it's all I know. Official. I was like, I was wondering where there it was, was little Kimberly. Pink, pink hopping thing. Yeah. And I was like, look, guys, there's a pink That's thing where in my Kimmy's dock. clicking on the, on yeah. the Google Doc. It's so cool. Yeah. Yes. That's and awesome. see, there's you. Yes. Yeah. Google Docs are the best, guys. Anyway, I told our GM that I wanted to switch PCs since in the last session I killed one of the NPCs because he might have been a murderer and killed two other NPCs. In my defense, I only killed him because after two other players were debating for ten minutes in real time, either to take him along or leave him alone, wounded, with no weapons in the Underdark, so I thought killing him was more of a mercy thing. (laughs) (laughs) I like your logic, sir. Yeah. Actually, in the Underdark, that might be true. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The DM said he understood, but he didn't want to do it now because uh, because of the city we were going to. I was fine with this because, well, it is better to do a character switch in the city instead of doing it when we're out in the run in the middle of the Underdark somewhere. Here comes session four. We found ourselves in a submerged temple uh, uh, with water leaking through the walls. No clear way to break free and at a dead end. So my character is also someone who wants to go on, uh, go on has a plan to throw someone coin, uh, to throw some coins in a well and have more treasure that had more treasure in it because maybe it would transport us somewhere out of the temple and be like a secret elevator. When it was a <laughs> trap, because, well, this shrine is dedicated to one of the demon lords. Yes. Now, all the NPCs turned against me because it was my idea to throw the coin and because of the previous killing. So my character snaps back at them, telling them that at least I'm doing something instead of just following along and bringing no input. So, all in all, my character <laughs> hates the rest of the party, and the rest of the party hates my character. Cue end of the session. 
We're uh, we're broken. At, we were broken out of the temple, swimming up into a dark lake. My character swam alone, and the rest all had the buddy system. We reached level three, Aww. which means the character is invisible in the darkness, and the creature uh, and two creatures with dark vision. All right, tag team Gina. I text the GM after the game, asking them how long he thinks it would take each of us to reach the city because I didn't see any way my character would stay with the group after this. And as I, as a player, wasn't having any fun playing him anymore. He says he doesn't know, he doesn't want to rush us, but he understands and says that this was the low point of my character. So I tell him that I really, really want to switch. Even pitched him an intro for my new character, uh, an Aladrin warlock who got into the Underdark through a weird-ass portal... Uh, got stuck in a fisherman village for 600 years. That is a bit crazy. That sounds fun. I know, right? Uh, that because we got level three finds, uh, because we got level three finds his book, is desperate to get out of the Underdark and then opens another portal, uh, dropping in on the party. I had this idea because one, it meant that my new character goes to the party, but they are still lost in the Underdark. Mm-hmm. Two, make sure that my character doesn't have the extra knowledge about the Underdark and be like a, a Deus Ex Machina, uh, and that they suddenly know how to get out of the city. Uh, so the GM shoots this idea down, uh, naturally, and tells me that we agreed before that we would do the switch inside the city itself and that he doesn't want to switch because the adventure is about trust and mistrust between PCs and NPCs. And having a new character just pop up so random wouldn't fit inside this, even though we literally have a PC who randomly accepted two NPCs who we met as a random encounter in our group. Jim, do you want to share? There we so. go. Well, it sounds to me like you get to not ride the train for a little while. <laughs> yeah. So I tell him, right. I just don't see how my current character would fit in because fit in this because, well, we all ha- we all hate each other. And I ask him <laughs> what, what he had in mind when uh, then if my character would would have died. If that happened, would I just not play until the rest of the uh, until the rest finds the city? He then accuses me of trying to force my way by telling me that I didn't get my way, that I just kill my characters to still get what I want, and that I power Aww. game too much, and I expected more role play instead of just trying to move the story forward. I explained to him that my Elydrian, who only has seen the fisherman the, the fisherman village and never met other creatures than his fellow elves in this youth in his youth and the fisherman that he that he doesn't have a problem just fucking about watching other creature just fucking about and having meaningless discussions uh, because he finds that highly interesting but still he keeps referring to the argument we made before the session before session four that I agreed to do the switch in the city. I eventual I eventually with pain stopped gaming with them because I think that Aww. my play style and the DM style isn't compatible, but I am still thinking about this. Mm. Aww. Uh, was I the asshole that wanted to force his character uh, to end decision on the GM, or was it the DM who just didn't want to change the story because he had another vision in his mind. 
By the way, I didn't ask the other players what they wanted because they didn't know I was going to switch characters, and I wanted to keep the secret so I so that I wouldn't affect their decisions made while my ranger was still with, with them. Aaron. Okay. Yeah, let's have that conversation. And yeah. Then. Uh, it sounds like to me that you're saying to your GM, I'm not having any fun. Mm-hmm. And your GM said, we'll suck it. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly the way I read it. And, and yeah, I mean, regardless of, of how you play and if you're more power gamey than others, et cetera, you're like, my character isn't designed for this. Like, we're all yeah. fucking around with a bunch of NPCs, and I'm designed to be this thing that is outside mm-hmm. of a group. And it's more group oriented than I thought before. Mm-hmm. Fuck this character, I want a character that's group oriented. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the character that was created is n- would fit just fine in with the narrative where wherever right, like because don't have to wait till the city the character's like i don't understand yeah, this interaction i don't get the underdark i yeah. have no special knowledge like wouldn't you want the people at your table to enjoy playing their character at the table Tabby, when you're running a game and somebody says i'm not having fun what's your reaction okay let's see what we can do so you can have fun mm. yeah that's it that's, yeah. that's the underlying thing of the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. If you're a GM and one of your players says, dude, this character's not working, I'm not having I'm not being entertained by this game at all. That means that's that's a call of action. That's a call to action. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, and him coming to the table with a suggestion yeah. is great. I mean, as the GM, you don't necessarily have to just whole cloth take that idea. Be like, hey, this is you know, I really like that idea for a character. Why don't we weave it in this way? You know, you don't just have to say completely yes at everything you want, player. Go ahead. Right. Like you can you can tweak it. You can have that negotiation a little bit yeah. and say how can we make this work for kind of everybody. But just being like, hey, I'm not going to rush us going to the city. You're going to have to just suck it up until we get there. Like if the... I, I do think if the if the GM was like, hey, you know, I, I think that the, the city's the best place for this. Uh, you know, let's hang in there one more session. We'll make sure we get to the city at the end of the next thing. Like that's that can be part of your negotiation because right. you both have a say in that. Uh-huh. But just being like, oh, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, you got to suck it up until we get there. I'm not going to do anything to make it happen faster. You're like, that that seems a little bit shady. No, to me. and it's weird because as a player, one of the things that I am probably I don't want to say most uncomfortable about but I'm very conscious of as a player is when you're trying to introduce a new character or reintroduce a character that wasn't in the last session and it's taking too long yeah so I don't want somebody else to have to sit at a three-hour game or whatever for an hour and a half before they get to play yeah so why would you not like you said be collaborative if you don't want to you know whole stock accept the guy's character the way he's envisioning it, okay, fine, but Mm -hmm. like, what could you do to say introduce that character earlier and not have to wait what however many sessions until they get to the city while he doesn't have fun? Yeah, Yeah. or, or, like, another thing, it's like, okay, if you read, like, I, say you're a GM, you know, it can be hard to be a GM, you have things you want to do, whatever, like, like, be like, hey, I can't come up with a way, even though you come up with a really great idea, for your new character to enter. Do you want to die and then come back in, like, two sessions? And that way he's not sitting there wasting his time. Right. He's not wasting his train money. That's not the best solution, but that's a better solution than telling him, no, you have to sit there and play a character right. when you're not having fun. Right. Like, give it, like, we're adults. We have limited amounts of time in our life. Like, at least give him that time back 
where he can do something else that is fun and then come back when he can have fun rather than making him feel obligated to hang in there when he's not enjoying himself. It's not a job. It's not a fucking job. I, I think yeah. there are some GMs that have an issue with dealing with the game as a collaborative <gasps> entity. Really? Yes. And It's good uh, because that's the only reason we still have a podcast. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my gosh, totally funny. So, you know, it's, it, as a GM, one of the primary things that you have to keep in mind is that th- this isn't your show. This is a collaborative mm-hmm. situation where you have to allow your characters to contribute. And really, when one of them honestly tells you that they're not having fun at your game, yeah. you really need to take that seriously. Absolutely. And you really need to be at least a little bit flexible about certain things. And if you have reasons why that doesn't work, you need, at the very least need to try to communicate those reasons yeah. right. so the player understands that this isn't just an arbitrary decision that you just want this to be this way because you want it. Yeah, They have to understand this, oh, okay, so that's part of the story and this is part of the element that I'm in and I need to be here long enough to make sure that goes off. Cool. I'm yeah. cool with that. Yeah. So please, just just cooperate. That's, that's another thing I've... I don't know. Um, I think somebody wrote in on another podcast talking to us about the okay you guys say all the time having a grown-up conversation okay yeah yeah, we all know this but i do think a lot of issues this is like a real life thing and a gaming thing come down to opportunities with communication Mm -hmm. and the fact that like if you have competing objectives here like which it seems like maybe you do somebody's not Somebody's not forthcoming about what the deal is, and it sounds like kind of the GM. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we're hearing your side of the story where you're not happy, and it sounds like you've expressed that, though, Mm -hmm. and what your solution is. So then it seems like it should be incumbent upon the other participants in the game or the the, surely the GM to Mm -hmm. say, you know, here's the thing, folks. Uh, You know, like, here's why I don't want you to sub in your character right now because there's something coming up. I mean, Mm -hmm. you don't have to... But once yeah. again, it goes into the trust or thing. something. Because yeah. As a GM, you if you're you're keeping something under your hat because it's important yeah. to be a surprise, you have to be able to go to your player characters and say, like, "I need you to trust me." Exactly. I need you to stay with this character for two more sessions. Yeah. And everything will be fine at that point. But I got something in mind that I need to do that yeah. I don't really want to tell you about because I don't want to yeah. ruin the surprise. But please let me do that. And and. That in and of itself is enough communication. And if you have enough trust between your player character and your GM, your player character should be able yep. to go, hey, you know what? I'll go along with that. That's fine. I think so. Because you have a reason behind it, and it's not just you wanting to enforce your will on me. There's a reason that you want to do it. Yeah. So, you know, give up at least that. You don't have to give up your entire yeah. plot, but you can go, hey, brother, just trust me. It's going to be okay. Yeah. That can get that can get hard, though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, like I, <laughs> like sorry, I had to put some infantile humor. Yes, into this. <laughs> we've been so adult, and immature in this podcast. Um, like I was, I was in that position a little bit with Mode of Sin, even though we just got talk- done talking about how Mode of Sin was. Like by the time, spoilers. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it. But by the time, by the time I stopped playing the character I played for a while, long time, like three years, uh, like I was ready to not be that character anymore. Um, and I was so relieved when that happened because <laughs> I, I had gotten to a point 
uh, where it wasn't super fun anymore. Like I, I still went. I still liked everybody at the table. Sure. But it felt it was the game had sort of become a job, and it it was a great story. It was a great game, but the position that my character had ended up in had so much responsibility and things I had to manage as a character. That it was just starting to reflect my real life a little too much. That, that <laughs> yeah. happened to me in LARP. Yeah. Oh, and, no. yeah. So it was like. LARP a lot. So, like, like while there's that hang in there for me for a while, you can have yeah. it at the GM. Like, like that can't be. A, that trust can't be a replacement for the character, the person having fun. Right. Absolutely. And so I was lucky enough that, you know, I hung in there for a while and then I was able to move on to something that was more fun at that time for me. Um, and I think now going back, like, I'm away from that. Like, I, I would love going back and playing that character again because it's a different situation. Uh-huh. But like GMs can't take advantage of that trust for too long. No, 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 no. And, and, and it, it yeah. just taking advantage is a bad, but you can't rely on that trust to get people to hang in there for too long. So. No, I think so too. I just think, and this comes more from a work background for me than a gaming background, but I just think it applies, is that I think the more people know, and I got told I was top-down leadership type for a mm-hmm. long time. And I think that makes sense because I think I think people can, once again, we were talking about people can suck up things if they really understand what the background is a lot of, <laughs> a lot of times. Suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Um, exactly. <laughs> but to your point, Kimmy, like that's not going to always continue if it always, you're always fucking up or the company's always fucking up or whatever and you're always asking people to, you know, so, but the fact that that dialogue can be there so that you can say, I totally hear you. I just don't think I yeah. can do two more sessions. Yeah. You know, so that you're at least talking about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, role-playing games need to be a conversation. And that's really the bottom line. It has to be a conversation. What? It has to be a lot of people involved. Yeah. In yeah. 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 I mean... <laughs> All right. There's... Oh, okay. Well, yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult email. if... If you know, one the more GM feels like he is the computer game, mm-hmm. and yes. you are supposed to go through the puzzles that are in it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like, you know, if he says, you're just trying to force your way, and you, I want more roleplay from you, and not power gaming, that sounds like there's already an adversarial relationship. It yeah. does. And that is not the best way to have a relationship Mm-mm. with your GM. And so maybe you want to address this adversarial relationship that doesn't sound like it's from this just from this one game. Right. And say, hey, what did I do to piss you off? Right. And just actually have an adult conversation be like, I'm not trying to yeah. piss you off. I'm just trying to play. And he's like, I'm just trying to run a game and you're pissing me off. And then maybe you guys can work out that you have, uh, you both have incorrect understands of each other or mm-hmm. one of you does and maybe you shouldn't play together yeah but it, it sounds yeah. like there is something going on here that isn't just this game yeah I agree that's a really good point All right, we're gonna continue reading okay <coughs> not it All right. <laughs> not and it. now the last part of this email <coughs> the su- too, too late too late the success story <laughs> of my last one shot as a DM, uh, I ran a game for four players. It's a one-shot that I adjusted a bit back, a uh, bit because it makes more it more fun for me to run, and I like it five times more already. Uh, and, oh, and I ran it like five times already. It is about the evil cult that brainwashes people. The players have to go to a cave where the sweet smell of the, uh, that has a, where there's a sweet smell when the monster is asleep. The sweet smell gives the feelings of joy and happiness. And the monster is always 
is uh, when the monster's away, the air gives a f- uh, is foul and makes people irritated and aggressive. In this cave, there's a key master, a crazy wizard because of the mood swings in the air. He guards the door with the, that the PCs need to solve a puzzle, with a puzzle to open. The original adventure, it's just a low-level mage. Uh, uh, however, I found that so boring, so I made him an OPGM PC. And now I can hear, ooh, no! Oh, no! What's oh, o- no, Mr. What's Bell! OP? Overpowered. Overpowered. Oh, thank you. <laughs> cool. That's I okay. don't play like online games. Uh, <laughs> I've heard of computers. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Computers. Yeah. Computer. Uh, oh, my God. I was in a... I was in a staff meeting today and they were talking about uh, a math game that the kids can play for kids and I was like and they were describing I'm like oh it's an MMO with math and they were just like I was like oh god so many letters Uh, my nieces play a game like that and they love it it's very cool yeah it's it's very it's basically like Fortnite Fortnite for learning so it's nice so it's not like math clusters But that was cool, man. Back in the day, that was yeah, Math Blaster was fucking so rad. Great. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, this GMPC doesn't have any story relevance, and he has two personalities: Steve and Bob. <laughs> Steve is Sorry, one. Steve. <laughs> yes, I know. At least it's not adjacent. We've and got like Bob. so many of those. Uh, the so Steve many is Steve's the one. Though. Yeah, Steve is the one that comes out when the air is foul. He's grumpy, irritated, and doesn't like it when people insult him or are rude to him. What he does, uh, when what he does, he banishes them for like two-ish minutes to the elemental plane of water, <laughs> or uses a, uses a personal silence spell. No damage taken, or a, or just something to silence the PC. It also helps me give the other players a chance to shine because if the alpha gamer takes over, Steve just gets annoyed and sends him away, and I turn to another player and just RP with the shy wallflower. Aww. Interesting. And being in the oh, elemental okay. plane of water for like two minutes would totally suck because yeah. you yeah. wouldn't be holding your breath. You no. just yeah. start breathing in water. Yeah. But then you come die. back and then you. Well, yeah. Two minutes, like, you won't die. I would die. In real life, no. <laughs> totally you feel like you were dying. You have, I have such a feel like you were dying. of okay. drowning, fear of drowning that it, the idea of it is actually causing me anxiety. Yeah, yeah no, right? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Like total number yeah. one fear. Bob is more friendly. Yeah, yeah. he helps I got the player. Pla- oh, oh man! Wow. He helps the players by healing them. However, his healing yeah. method is a little bit weird. Instead of using a healing spell, he uh, sends the player to a divine realm where the angel heals the character. Every time I send a player to this realm, the angel asks if, they, uh, if the character wants to meet God. So clerics and paladins get to meet their deity. However, meeting God is something that low-level characters cannot handle. So if they look at God and make them go blind or have them roll a saving throw not to go mad. <laughs> it sounds like this guy's got a portal gun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't meet your gods. Yeah. Yeah. Where's true. your god now? Right there. Ah. <laughs> I'm blind. I'm yeah. blind. Madness is a bit of a... <laughs> Uh, madness is a bit of a theme in the adventure. Once they get back from the realm, they are blind and have no idea what to do. Oh of God. course, Bob is willing to help them and gives them uh, gives the player true sight just to make it fun. What? what? And not <laughs> shitty. <laughs> wow. Your character is yeah, now I'm blind. I'm giving you true sight. Now, now go look at God. Yeah. True sight is for true real. Shite. True yeah. sight. God, that is true sight. <laughs> true sight. <Yeah. laughs> true sight. Yeah. 
But the last time I ran That'd this, awesome. the, that's the, the worst spell ever. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. this true shite. But it, it only speaks the truth. Oh. <laughs> it's so true. It smells. It smells true. My familiar is true shite. <laughs> <laughs> it sits on my shoulder. Oh. Like, am I am I really a wizard, or am I just like? Or am I just gross? Yeah, a scatological. <laughs> like, Are you gonna touch it to make sure? No, you won't. Scat- what is that? A scatophile? I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. True shite. True shite. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna say I'll just say that's a lot of fucking with the players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of shit. A anyway. lot of shit. Yeah. It's true, true shit. shit. <laughs> it's true shit. <laughs> yeah. But oh the last God. time I ran this cleric did something <laughs> unknown. After he went to meet God the first time, he became blind, uh, and he had an angel cure his madness. He went in and requested to meet God again. Since he was still blind at the moment, he thought what uh, what could go wrong? That's always a great attitude <laughs> to have as right? a player. Yeah, great I final need, words. I need to have wrong? a character where it's just like the the back backstory of the yes. character, just what could what go wrong, wrong. Okay. just just play with that in mind. Yeah. It's like so many of my characters. I'm like, I'll do it. <laughs> what could go wrong? Oh, totally true. everything. Yeah, that's it. what happened in Fallout Eight when yeah. all the games. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> what could go wrong is what's entertaining. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and all the ones are what could go wrong every oh time, God. and I get all Kimmy. of them. Jesus. Yep. It's me, guys. So many, so many snake ones. eyes. So many I'm already blind, so I cannot go mad looking at him. Uh, what uh, what the player does? He asks God a question, so of course God As answers. So the low level player hears God speak, making <gasps> it the player who is now deaf and became mad again. <laughs> Everyone at the table is rolling <laughs> on the floor, laughing, and the uh, and the face palms were uh, and the face palms were plenty. Uh, great times were had. Eventually, the mad wizard summoned the angel to cure the cleric again of his madness, and the wizard gave the cleric true sight, but he was still deaf, and the party went on their way to finish the adventure. This is my success story, and I hope it inspires someone <laughs> out there not to be afraid to do silly things and the use of an overpowered oh, character to, me- to mess the play- with the players a bit, as long as everyone has fun. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. If everybody at the table smiles and having a great time... It's yeah. What the hell yeah. Yeah. We just did. Yep. Greetings from the Netherlands. The Gaz Netherlands. The, yeah. Uh, Gaz the DM. Yeah. P.S. Sorry about the spelling and grammar. Not having English as a primary language and being dyslexic are, th- will result in emails that make teachers like Kimmy cringe and grab an extra glass of Please. wine. Please. <laughs> it's okay. English is not my primary language. <laughs> yes. I not speak the Hollandish. I've got five kids in my class who don't speak English. Reading yeah. this was a cinch. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> Well so, done. Yep. You. Well, yeah. thank well, you so much for writing. The fact that the attempt in. was made. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we appreciate Especially it. Especially that large of an attempt. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you used great vocabulary. I yeah. was super impressed by the level of the vocabulary that you used in there. I yeah. know. Well done. Continue. Once again, proving people that from Europe are just better than we are. I just learned <laughs> I had a, <laughs> I have a great, great <laughs> grandmother from Holland. Nice. I thought it was all. That's the. Germany. No. Yeah. Mm. So the best thing to do as a teacher, I am prescribing that you write in more emails mm-hmm. to practice your English. And they're really fun to read. So yeah. thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Yes. And please everybody send us more emails. More emails. Yes. Yeah. So we've got been getting some really great gems lately. It's really been fun. Yeah. So actually awesome this awesome. has been a really impressive fun group of emails. Yeah. 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 Today, exactly. Really well done emails. Yeah. Really good conversations right Yeah. Now. Absolutely. So, thank you guys, and uh, thank you everyone who wrote in and who was listening and stuff. Mm-hmm. Are we done? I think. Uh, I think so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fabulous. Uh, let's see the thing. I did it right. Yes. 
All right. Thank you for listening to Season 23, Episode 1 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. Ooh. I am Kimmy. This is Tappy. I'm Gina. She, her. Yes. I am Jim. Uh, and uh, thank you for listening. We will end it with a song if I can figure out how to do that. And uh, um, please check out happyjacks.org slash schedule for all the APs. If you haven't already followed our three different feeds, we have our Happy Jacks advice show, this show's feed. We have our Happy Jacks AP campaign, our actual play campaign yeah. feed. And we also have our one shots and shadow camp, uh, Shadowcon camp uh, mm-hmm. feed. So yeah. go subscribe to all those. You can find them at happyjacks.org. So, and remember, math is fun. Math teaches us how to have fun. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> math is also math teaches. <laughs> All right, and we might leave you with a song. Don't hold your breath. Oh, they're gonna be this. Bye, guys.
Bum, 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 bum.